to a two full podcast special. It's been a while since we've done those. Um, it sounds mighty empty. It sounds it sounds very very quiet. But don't worry, I'm not by myself. Phil's not here. Um, you'll you'll learn why he's not here. But but some someone someone's here. Someone's uh someone decided to drop in again for for a special. Hey, listen. <laughs> would you would you do a podcast just by yourself? Would I do a podcast by myself? Dude, I have like <laughs> maybe I don't know. Like monologue. I'm like those uh you know like those uh hey, it's Jake. Sorry. I was I was I was going to do like a Phil thing like <laughs> we'll try, try to do I it. I can't. I can't even go to that register of excitement. <laughs> it's only Phil can do that. I could just be like, "Hey, it's Jake." Jake's back. Hey, hey. Yeah, I'm back. And uh, ready for some rock and roll. Dude, uh, I have to warn the audience. It's been a while since we've done this, me and Jake talking solo. Uh, usually it ends up talking about <laughs> bending spoons. So word, yeah, of, bending spoons, <laughs> word of Yuri, caution. Yuri, whatever his name was. No, no, I don't know what the guy's name was. <laughs> We're not going to do that this time, though. No, no. We, 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 yeah, this, it gets weird when it's just me and Jake. So word of caution. It's a two-fold special. Jake and I watch something that Phil hasn't. So he didn't feel like uh, he'll contribute much. So he's sitting this one out. Um, so we're going to talk about something that came out on Disney+. Plus. It was made by Peter Jackson, and it's called... Mm-hmm. PJ the MeJ. <laughs> PJ the MeJ. And it's <laughs> called um, Get Back, The Beatles. It's called The Beatles Get Back. The Beatles Get Back. That's exactly what it's called. That's it. It's a three-part documentary. Um, of with a beautiful gradient. I mean, yes. I love that gradient. Yeah, it's a recovered footage for a, a documentary that came out quite a few years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot more footage. Fifty years ago, yeah. by the way. Did you realize that? And um, Peter Jackson, with his great skills of refurbishment and remastering and all this stuff, decided to look through all this all this footage and audio recordings and make a new documentary that reveals the truth truth that's so true that's a good synopsis yeah you know what's the funny thing is i watch this i i started watching it just because of that of like peter jacks i watched did you watch this world war one uh movie no sadly it's really great uh, what's that one called uh it's like something it's like in our day something like that last of us <laughs> heroes of our days um oh wait what is it called i think it's called um Oh. Our time. No, what what, like what is it called? Look it up. Um, I'm I'm looking it up as we're as we're talking, and I am like I am like uh, this is they shall not grow old. That's the one. That's the one. Okay, that's pretty off. Yeah, we're completely <laughs> off. That one was great. Um, so I was like, so you watched that one? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, like technology wise, like what did he do to restore this footage? And then I realized what this is watching it, and I got immediately hooked. As far as like behind the scenes of music making. And then mm-hmm. I stayed to learn about the Beatles because um, just so people know, I know nothing about the Beatles except their songs. Oh. I know their songs. I love them. I listen to them. Dude, you know, I have so many like discoveries. I didn't, I thought the George Harrison of the 80s yeah. and George Harrison of the Beatles were completely two different people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's kind of the idea, right? Because he was like an enlightened man. But this is like so afterwards when he's like making like cheesy rock and roll songs with his like pyramid haircut. 
you know, he looks like Peridot. From... I, don't, I know nothing about that George Harris. I just know the Beatles one. Oh, okay. Because that's the one I have in my head. And I was like, and I also knew George Harrison of the Beatles, but I didn't know that was the same person. Hilarious. So you didn't know anything about uh, the Beatles at all? Uh, basics. Basics. I, I, you know, like there's the four Beatles, right? I knew their names. Uh, some history of some stuff. Like, I, but it was like not, like it never, I don't think I spent ever time like finding out. Okay. You know, you mm-hmm. just a general, like I would say, General knowledge that everyone knows about the Beatles. Yeah. I knew their songs, you know, most of them. Like, it's it's those things. Like, is Beatles one of those bands that, like, I would put on the playlist of, like, you know, Beatles songs. And every mm-hmm. time that would be played, I'll be like, it'll be another song. Like, oh, I forgot. That's a Beatles song, too. <laughs> if you just, like, yeah. you know the it's songs. Like you vaguely remember the yeah, yeah, melodies like, oh, and stuff like that. This is a Beatles songs, too? It happens every time. It's like, oh, this one, too. So it's it's generally that. I'm not, like, some kind of, you know, Beatles man who knows the yeah. discography and knows all the history and, and all the, you know, rumors and the bits and bits. bits and bobs. And who oh, said what and, and who broke up the band, band and all this nonsense. I, I, this is my, this so, is new dairy for you. How about you? Yeah. So listen to this. I remember, uh, I also too, I also was not a Beatles man. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't consider myself a Beatles hardcore fan. I think I'm a Beatles appreciator, but it was interesting. I remember like, uh, Maybe five or six years ago, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? This is enough of Beatles. Uh, <laughs> darkness. Uh, what's it called? Yeah, darkness uh, and uh, ignorance. Yes. I was like, let me let me go and actually listen just to their entire dis- discography. Okay. And I literally went chronologically. And like I, the um, three, I also, the 13 canonical albums? The, yeah. Or yeah, just exactly. Arab, Okay. <laughs> yeah, like the, the Please, Old Please Me and then, and then with the Beatles and then, you know, the next one yeah. and so on. And uh, the way I like to listen to or understand like bands and stuff is like I get into their history and I get into like the background and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So immediately the first thing I learned listening to their discography was like, um, like there's so many different releases. I don't know if you know this, like the UK releases first came out and then they went to the States and then it's all mixed up. And then their parent company who was releasing them in the States was like doing compilations mm-hmm. that were not part of the album, you know, stuff like yeah. that. And so you learn about that stuff and you also learn about interesting the mixes as well, like different mixes and stuff. Because I think that, you know, we're very used to nowadays, the record is the record, right? Yes. Uh, modern recording. Especially like, online, you know, it goes everywhere. forward. Yeah. And especially now it's just like print, that's it. Like we hear it and it's just one definitive version. Yeah. It's very rare that you have like a remix unless it's a actual remix. Genre remix. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was my experience with the Beatles. I listened to the entire discography. From start to finish, and um, did you become a Beatles tons fan? Of, tons of stuff. Were you like these guys are great? Yes, yeah. I think I did become a Beatles fan, um, and I think the reason why I became a Beatles fan is because they it dispelled the myths of my own brain. Right. So the myths of my own brain were, I don't know how it was for you. That's why I wanted to ask you. Is that uh, I grew up thinking the Beatles were like, you know how like um, like modern ish indie bands mm-hmm. are like serious and take themselves so seriously, yes. and they're like. My songs are the best. And it's like, these are the <laughs> this ultimate. is my art form. Do not make sacrilege yeah. of it. That's what I thought the Beatles were like. Right. I don't know what you thought they were like back in the day. It's, it, well, I, I, we can get into well, it. You had no. No, I like we, we, uh, on this uh, podcast, we did w- talk about and watch something Beatles related actually before. At the beginning, I don't know if you remember, oh goodness, we watched yeah. Help by the Beatles. That's right. Yeah, which yeah, was, was on this podcast, one yeah. of my first kind of like 
seeing the Beatles besides the music. And that was like, okay, what's going on here? Like they're playing characters. It's making fun. This was my, that was my first kind of like idea of like who the Beatles are. So this was my first, like, I don't think I've seen a Beatles interview until I watched this documentary. So this was very revealing for me. So we can talk about that, like my perception of of what I learned and what I liked. But before we get into that, um, Mm -hmm. some, yeah, Jake's back. Uh, We're going to do this special. Um, uh, Phil's not here. Spoilers. Special. I don't know if there's spoilers. Maybe if you want to watch this, maybe there's spoilers. I mean, it's all about history. It's kind of known history. Listen to this, Tim. I wonder what you think about this. I believe what we can say spoilers because I think that my my impression is I think a lot of people who aren't like music Mm -hmm. fans or slash musicians slash whatever, I think they might be under the impression that this is a documentary like. In 1970, <laughs> yes, like the history, and then you know, like <laughs> the Ken Burns, you know, like <gasps> pictures, yeah. and then cuts to the floating head, you know, like Paul McCartney from last year. Oh, I thought that this was great, you know. John was telling me, yeah. Oh, yeah, the the future, future. I was like, yes. Now, uh, yeah, because I had I had, for instance, a a, um, a colleague at work, like on Instagram, yeah. I posted this like story. I was like, this is the best thing ever, and he like replied to me. He's like, he's like, I need to watch this. And I'm thinking to myself. Dude, and do you, do you know what this is? Like, I very rarely, I really doubt you're gonna sit through this. Yeah, and um, unless you lo- unless you love the Beatles, maybe he loves Beatles. So for anyone listening, if you if you if you watched it, you'll probably you know get in on this conversation. If you're deciding what to watch or not, it's kind of like a fly on the wall. It's it's three episodes, each two hours long, so it's a six hour commitment um, of the Beatles from a very it's actually longer than that, my friend. Oh, really longer. Okay. I, I learned it's like, I think around eight. Something Jesus. Like that. Okay. So, um, uh, and it's great. Uh, so maybe spoilers on that. If, if you, it's going to be mainly talking about music. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I would say this, this movie is amazing for Beatles fans. And I think it's also great for music lovers. So even if you're not a Beatles fan and you, you're, you for love, sure. Writing music. I don't music. think it's a Beatles fan to watch. This, yeah, yeah. To like it. I wasn't, and I enjoyed it because I'm, you know, a musician and, and a music lover myself, especially mm-hmm. band kind of genre. So this is this was great to watch to see something like that. It's actually very unique of all my time seeing any kind of behind the scenes or documentaries of a band, a rock band. This is very unique of what kind of insight you get. So based on that, um, if you were like me. Before we get into the movie, I would like to give you a really short timeline of the Beatles. If you know nothing mm-hmm. about the Beatles, just Good if idea. you're going to listen to us and not watch the movie, so you get some kind of idea what we're talking about. So Beatles. So in 1956, John Lennon he was a troubled teenager, abandoned by his uh, parents, living with his aunt. He started a skiffle band called the Quarry Quarrymen. With his friends from high yeah. school, um, Paul McCartney joins in 1957 next year. And then George Harrison, I think he's like 13, he joins as well. Um, they changed their name to Beatles in 1960 and they go to Germany, Hamburg. And that's interesting. And they yeah. play uh, in clubs there, you know, like eight eight hours a night. Covers. Covers and start writing their own songs. 1961, they come back to Liverpool, where they're from, start playing. Brian Epstein, a record store manager, notices them, and he befriends them. He's their age, and he becomes their manager. I didn't know that. Yeah. He was kind of like hmm. the same kind of... I was like 20 years older. Nope. Oh. He he does... Uh, he, uh, he convinces... Um, uh, uh, to kind of like them for to change up their kind of look. They were in that sort of 
fifties rock and roll leather pompadours oh, yeah, rock dudes, right. any kinds of more serious suits and you know mod haircuts and, and and this kind of like to be more accessible pop. Um, he also gets them George Martin, who's like ten years older. He's a producer. He'll become their oh, yeah, producer right. for all their records. And then uh, their drummer leaves and Ringo Starr replaces in 1962. So 1962 is basically the start of the Beatles Beatles. In 63, they release two albums. 1964, they go to America. You know, that's the whole American craze mm-hmm. of Beatles. They release another... The Beatlemania. Yep, they release another two albums. 1964 and 1965 is the movie Help We Saw. They also do two more albums. So they're cranking out new music, you know, two albums a year. Really yep. often. In 1960, see, this is four years from their, basically, them existing. They stop playing live because, one, it's just people screaming, the PA's not handling, they can't hear anything. And also their safety of them and their family, they get attacked and all this kinds of craziness happening. So they're like, yeah, we're not, I did not know that until I started researching. Yeah. So they're not playing live anymore. They're now recording Um uh, a band. band, they release uh, this album Revolver, which is experiment with studio processes and recording and, you know, and song arrangements. And it's like, you know, it's a very different kind of style. So far, they've been doing these kind of rock pop ballads, kind of like singy-songy about holding hands and loving each other kind of stuff for girls. Um, in 1967, they release two more albums. They do the famous satellite broadcast and their manager, Brian Epstein, dies. What, the satellite broadcast? What was that Yeah, one? they were the first band to broadcast their live across the hey, world. Jude? I don't know what it was. It was some, some kind oh. of like T- BBC thing. Could be. So yeah, the manager dies in 1968. Uh, they do the famous going to India. It's uh, George oh, Harrison right. is really into transcendental meditation. They meet the Maharashi Mahesh Yogi, and they're going there to explore their, um, it's like famous, you know. It's kind of yeah. like the whole India and meditation and, you know, spiritualism kind of influence comes from this for their trip. They also start their own. But it's interesting because they go as a band. That's what's interesting. Yeah, yeah, the all four of them. Like <laughs> um, interesting. There was like, you know, those videos and stuff like that. They start their Apple Corporations limited uh, company. Yeah, I to mention that, yeah. The label. And they're really, so they, they left their low label Parlophone. Yep. And then they're like, let's go make our own. To become technically the really, indie band. A clever name. Apple Core. Yeah. Get it? Do you know do you know the do you know the whole like with Apple, all the lawsuits and all this it's just with Steve oh, Jobs. Oh yeah, the backstory, right? I remember reading in the biography something about that. Yeah, yeah. He just yeah, they were like suing each other because of the name. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then they released their white album, Beatles, very famous, in that same year. So and then we moved to nineteen sixty nine. This is where they at the beginning of the year record this documentary. Now, initially, what they wanted to do, since they haven't been playing live for a very long time, they want to do a live performance again because they've been in the studio and they have been hanging out. They want to play live, but they want to record it as a movie and show it in cinemas. Then they decide, let's record the rehearsals and release it as a TV series before the movie as promotion. Then they decide, instead of rehearsing, rehearsing songs let's write new songs while we're recording this documentary and then record the live performance Performance. make that a movie but also make that an album well that's what they're that's what they're that's what they were going into this documentary this is their this was their plan and what's what's even more interesting is that they gave themselves a deadline yes artificial deadline i think this was uh in january beginning of january 
they went into. They gave themselves like a month or something, right? Right. They gave themselves a month. Yeah, like I think two weeks was original. <laughs> two two weeks to 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 two weeks to write fourteen new songs. Write, rehearse, and then uh-huh. play them live. Perform. Yes, and all of this will make a TV show, a movie, and an album. Yeah, the movie TV show they flip flopped around between oh, that. when they're going in, when they're they going were... in, this was the plan. Like they they specifically. I thought it was first a TV show was always the plan. Nope. The movie was oh, the, the first movie? thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Weird. Okay. Well, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They they they, they switch up those things, but that's nuts. That's the concept. <laughs> yeah. So so two weeks, fourteen songs, and they haven't played live in you know many years, and uh, yeah, and I think it was also the idea behind it was that they were ah, that's also something important to say. They wanted to get away from their overdubbing techniques from the previous yes. albums the, the, where it's like they were you know doing a lot of layering and a lot of you know in-studio dubbing and this was the concept was to do it like uh you know just like a one not one take but like a like write the song the as a band together rehearsing it yeah. and then record it like that because they've been yeah. doing the studio thing where a lot of times only one of them would be working on the song or they would be working on the song one person mm-hmm. one time and then next week that's also something i learned they talked about how like sometimes they wouldn't see each other and like yes. you know, john would come in play the guitar and they also and, haven't yeah, been like crazy. friends for a long time you know they they all had new girlfriends new wives you know all sorts of stuff going on you know they were traveling mm-hmm. playing with other people so they're you know they're kind of like musical interests have 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 changed and grown and moved around and ideas of what the they band all kind is. of like came into their own of yes. like what individually they are like exactly and different times in their which lives. is a very interesting yeah. uh setup to go into this whole <laughs> to, to, yeah. to the where where they were recording it so all of this stuff is recorded at the time um they uh, don't release the album um um actually which is which is which is hilarious um yeah honestly that was that also was like i had no clue with the timeline i thought i always thought that Abbey Road was the last year. Yeah, recording. and then they record Abbey Road and they release it. And then at the end of that year, uh, John Lennon decides to leave the battles and battles Beatles in private and tells <laughs> the, the battles, band. The battles are over. Yep. In 1970, uh, at the same time, the Let It Be um, album, which, they rec- which is the music from this yeah. documentary, is released. The documentary, like an hour and a half from this footage, is released, kind of making it kind of like about the breakup of the band. Yeah, a bit of a yep, yeah, and also Paul McCartney announces leaving the band, and technically the band dissolves in 1970. So mm-hmm. from legally, yeah, exactly. So from basically from 1963 to 1970, what is like seven years essentially is the as the the meat of the Beatles. Like the Beatles run exactly. Yeah. After that, in 1980, you know where everyone knows John Lennon gets shot by a fan, um, and then in yep. 2001, George Harrison dies of cancer. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to end it on a sad note just to give everyone like a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they all go their separate ways. And as we all know, they all had pretty prolific solo uh, careers. Yes, yes, yes. And they appeared I think that... on each other's stuff, except they never, all four yeah. of them were on one thing ever again mm-hmm, from them. Mm-hmm. Three's the max. Yeah. It's interesting. I, um, yeah, I got, mo- I got most, mostly into Paul's solo stuff, but we, we'll get into that. <laughs> okay, sure. The movie. All right. So I wanted to mention just also for context of the film that it's split into three parts. Yes. And uh, um, the first part takes place at this sort of like big rehearsal hall. Yes. The second part, then they move into... Is it the second part they move into? No, it's the Apple second part. Studios? The second part is like midway. They, they move. The first one midway, ends yeah. with George Harrison quitting the band. Mm-hmm. 
they have some arguments over some writing of some songs. George George is fed up with a couple of things we can get into, and then he leaves yeah. the band. That's the end of part one. Part one, they kind of reintervene. They try to get talk to George. George comes back, and they all decide that's best to um, move to their Apple Corps core studio mm-hmm. down there. <laughs> There's yeah, this one of the conditions that yeah. George had was like he doesn't want to do any more in that place. He wants to do like somewhere somewhere uh, somewhere nice, else, yeah. somewhere small, somewhere bright with good sound there's this <laughs> yeah, whole not, thing not that dungeon there's this whole thing which i was a tangent i got a little bit on reading there's i, I don't know what the guy's name was there some crazy mechanic they had friend they had who was like who was a con artist and he would m- pretend like he's making these he made them like a mix board and they got there wow. and it was absolute shit so then uh george harrison brought his eight track or someone oh yes 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 that's for apple for apple yes yeah, they, for they, apple. they went and this guy is called uh, magic something yeah yeah apparently this guy's like just just like some some like parasite who just keep lying about everything (laughs) and by the way tim he's also the guy who made that stupid guitar that they brought in remember what the 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 revolving bass yeah yeah, that's the same guy why why was this uh, yeah that's yeah the guys like that they'll just be attracted they're like there's too much hiss and the equipment's horrible and then yeah george's like i got some stuff at home yeah (laughs) and (laughs) they just use that just just use his a track hilarious anyway so then they're, they're in apple studios they're recording rehearsing and then the culmination of the of the documentary is the, is the is the now famous, which I didn't know was famous. I never even knew about this rooftop concert on top of their um, Apple Core Studio in London, and that that's it. Yeah, that's a wrap on the on the crazy. So a couple of things that's super interesting about this is that I, first of all, just to get straight into it, I had no idea that this that they had so much footage. Number one, and I had no idea that like they were so candidly shot. And uh, I had no clue that like, you know, because, you know, most, it's interesting, most band documentaries for making albums, in my experience, I don't know how it was before, but I know like from growing up and stuff, you know, 90s, 2000s bands, stuff like that. A lot of it's like sort of like a vlog, you know, it's like filming and it's very much like, you know, people get reactions, people making jokes. It's very like, uh, like you're part of a, you know you're part of the band and they're kind of sh- in a sense like showing off a little bit you know but it's for fun it's mostly for fun but this was seriously like just candid it's for promotions footage. usually yeah like it's like a promotional vlogs that kind of like it's either dramatic because it's like oh no they went through all these hurdles to and then release the album or it's more like you know we're so we're great just like look at us but this is yeah you know you're mentioning that it's really interesting because i i were music documentaries a thing back then because i feel like documentaries were a thing but i don't know how much of around musicians i have no idea because like one of the historically i have no clue yeah because like one of the things that um that i learned then through this movie and afterwards about the beatles is like you know we all know like the influential stuff you know they pioneered recording sessions and you know Mm -hmm. they pioneered the whole oh we're rock band we're all going crazy but one of the things that i was when i was watching this what i realized is that you know, them and the Rolling Stones and the Beach Boys, you know, all these bands from the 60s, they kind of created this whole idea of like a, a band, not a band of singers, but a band where the musicians, they're all a band and they're all famous and everyone knows their name, like the individuals, not just the singer. Because if you look at rock and roll before that, right, they're named after the singer and the guitarist and the rest of the musicians are just the support there, right? And this is how it's been throughout the history, a band where you know all the names and everyone's equally important 
wasn't a thing. And what was interesting is like that came around that time and it was very, very strong, you know, throughout the 70s, you know, all the rock and metal bands, the 80s, the 90s, and then the start of 2000s. And it right now, that's completely disappeared. Like if you look at any, like in the rock section, any like new, like artist that is like rock sounding, it's usually the name of the artist and the musician is just back background again like the whole idea of like mm. you know the band that doesn't that, that's not it's sort of like a john mayer it's type it's gone scenario. back like you know like okay like the revival of pop punk you know it's like uh it's like uh kenny hoopla you know he's just a singer the, the, the musicians are there just to play for him or what's the guy name uh the more famous one um damn it Machine Gun Kelly stuff, or? yeah, yeah. This is rock uh-huh. stuff, like contemporary rock stuff, like Machine Gun Kelly, like like pop rock, like the mainstream oh, okay. stuff. Not not just like you know the bands playing in clubs. I mean, like mm-hmm. in the forefront, the mainstream media, right? It's interesting, but even in general, like bands are not a thing anymore. It's it's all back to like how we used to be in That's the fifties so and forties and thirties. It's back to the singer slash musician, and then everyone else. I think it's also gotten to the point where like, okay, maybe my view is skewed. I don't, I don't have such a good breadth of knowledge of the pop scene, but I think also it's become a lot more individualistic. Like, you know, people are now known for, especially like in the rock genre, people become known for being YouTubers and stuff like that, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Playing on the Instagram and playing on the YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like the first, it's like, like, like their sort of personal brand and kind of, who they are as a musician is like, it's not, it's not, it's augmented now, which yeah. I think is cool. It's not anymore just about the album and the music. It's like, oh, they do pedal reviews, yeah, yeah. especially if it's like more like musicians, musician. Oh yeah. The rock but thing is very, other artists. It's like, it's completely removed from the mainstream. Definitely. Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. The, but, but I'm saying it's, that's also changed. Like yeah. It's very individual too. It's not anymore like a band. Exactly. There are bands, but it's, but it's crazy to me. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. And it's also like, you know, like they were, and I like I wonder what inspired them because it was a very important like they really pushed that like you know the whole idea of like they all do the singing and they're all important and it's I don't, and it's I don't think anyone pushed it that's my I mean I don't know anything about like the motivations of the Beatles but I don't think they pushed anything I think they just liked playing music together and I think that they just uh, enjoyed doing that and writing together maybe it was just the right time for everyone kind of like because it's a very specific thing in the sixties that became a very mm-hmm. like as far as like. The biggest thing, like bands, you know, like with groupies and girls worshiping bands. Uh-huh. Sort of like that kind of... Like, you know, they knew the drummer's name. Like, <laughs> nobody yeah, knows yeah, the yeah, drummer's yeah. names anymore. You know what I mean? They're celebrities yeah, too. I think... Unless I you're watched, Travis Barker, um, obviously. You know uh, Jack Conti and Ryan Lerman and, and those guys? The scary Pockets YouTube folks? Yeah. They have that YouTube uh, show called Professional Musicians React. Okay. Yes, you know about yes, that? yes. I saw a few videos, but anyway, they were talking about uh, kind of this concept about what you're saying is that previously, um, you know, there was usually like a handful of people in San Francisco or wherever. I can't remember what was sort of the hub of music uh, back then. That they would they would just be session musicians playing on all these albums. Usually right? Nashville and LA. That's the two most biggest places. And uh, they would. Uh, be the backing players for a singer or a songwriter, right? Yeah. At least. So that's kind of, I think what you're saying is that then it changed to be 
um, sort of a band format. And I wanted to ask you, do you think that the Beatles popularized the setup that has become just like set in stone, the drums, bass, guitar, vocals? No, because like, you know, it's that basically they kind of, you know, what, what they did and what Rolling Stones did, they kind of just did the, you know, the blues and rock and roll of the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, Chicago blues is what maybe, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, guys like uh, Muddy Waters and all that kind of stuff that, the Rolling Stones were inspired or straight out, you know, uh, you know, Chuck Berry kind of rock and roll stuff that the Beatles, like John Lennon liked, you know, that, that was. Because I mean, jazz also had like, if you look at jazz, like yeah. the, the instrumentation was drums, upright bass, piano. So I mean like. And there were a lot of bands I'm, doing I'm, this in the sixties well. So it's kind of like, I don't know if. I think I meant more like popularized in the sense of like, like the day become a little bit, a little bit of the template for everyone to like, Oh, We'll start a band too. Something. Like oh, that. I definitely think, and I think that's kind of like similar what I what I was saying, but from from a different perspective. They, they that this idea of a band, you know, like we can all be famous, and we can yeah, all yeah. we can all be this group, and everyone knows us as a group. Did you hear them mention Zeppelin? They're like, oh yeah, <laughs> they, they mentioned Jimmy Page. It's funny because we're watching it now in modern times. Like, what? wait, it was hilarious because they said he's talking about it was Glenn, their producer, oh, their engineer. Sorry. Glenn, oh, yeah, Glenn yeah, Johnson. That's right. Oh, that's right. He's talking to George, I think. Because he, because he, he recorded, engineered, and produced their the first Led Zeppelin, and he's talking about that. John Paul Jones, and he says he says he's the he's the governor, which is so funny because like he's the boss. <laughs> he was just saying it was, it was so cool. It was like it's so funny yeah. they're talking about these kids recording. But George doesn't know about. He's like, oh, no, no, because no, they, they didn't release anything yet. That was like he, he just recorded it for them. Yeah, and it was going to come it's out in nineteen seventy next year. Time. Dude, it's it's this was like so amazing. I love the time warp. It was magical. Dude, it was I think it was such a great time. Yeah, I got so hooked. It was insane. Like my wife was making fun of me because I watched the first part one evening and then the next day I could not think about anything else. Like literally she Oh man, same thing. I literally every night, you know how when you read a good book, yeah. you're like, I can't wait to go to bed because I, I watch it in yeah. bed on my phone. But I won't say before bed before <laughs> sleeping. And I'm like I'm like Every night I'm like, yes, I get to watch more. And I'm thinking, this is so great. There's so much left. <laughs> I'm like, I just, you know, every, it's like slowly every yeah. day watching 30 minutes. It's ex- extended to a week plus. By the evening, Emma was like, you better finish this because this is ridiculous. I can't even talk to you because you're like co- completely absent-minded. I was like, any moment I had my yeah. brain just went to thinking about what everything that's happening. So she's yeah. so like, you better finish. So I was like... I, I started like nine. I finished like four a.m. I was like, I'm doing all of it. Two. Oh, you watched it all in one sitting. The two, the, the second two. I I just I sat in front of the TV and I just wow. I had to do it because otherwise I wouldn't be free. It was like I know I liked sort of like you know savoring it. I couldn't, it man. It was just my brain was consumed by like like it's just it was really well done. I think it's the the, the, the thing is that it's really manipulated a lot because they all had mostly audio footage, so a lot of the video stuff is kind of comped in to get the general idea of it. And even though they were, I think it's very like, it's insane that how much it's kind of like manipulated and edited. It feels very, very realistic and real. I honestly, it was so good. I really very, I think not even once did I really notice that it was uh, comped. Yeah. I really didn't tell. It was interesting because at the beginning of the movie, it says like um, that the filmmakers tried their best, you know, to reproduce certain um moments that they didn't have footage for um and i was like what does that mean and then only later i found out that they had like you know 100 plus hours of audio and like only 60 hours of video um 
It's amazing, though. I, I wanted to mention, um, just what I was mentioning earlier with like the the Beatles, the band. Yeah. So uh, when I listened to this this discography of the Beatles, something that I think that dispelled the myth of my brain was that I, like I said, thought that they were a very serious band and they took themselves seriously. What songs did you have in mind when you when you thought of like serious? Like what's oh. what's the, what, what what do you like hear when you're thinking Beatles, the serious band? I think maybe more like um, later songs. Like Eleanor I Rigby guess. or something. <laughs> You're like... <laughs> something like okay. that. Eleanor Rigby and then maybe like some John Lennon songs. Okay. Maybe even like Let It Be. You know, like more okay. of like the dramatic, serious stuff. Yes. But all that came to mind was just like very acoustic-y, very, mm-hmm. you know, like... Um, like lyrics are very, you know, serious. You yes. Know, they, they know their stuff. Big metaphors. And, yeah, big metaphors. And like, you know, they... Because, you know, you grow up hearing like these are the these are the guys who... They were the, they, the watershed, you know, for everything. Oh, I, everything comes from the Beatles. I think that might be one reason of my, like, it might be in deliberate my ignorance of Beatles just because of them putting on this pedestal and me kind of like, mm-hmm. kind of like rejecting the idea. Like, there's no way these guys, because everyone's like, you know, you like, I remember sitting down with a friend and he was like playing me a Beatles song. I don't know which one it was. And he's like, how could they have written this? This is so amazing. And just immediate, that's the thing. It's like just magic. And it's like immediately like me like, magic. What? there's no way these guys are not like some super geniuses, uh, some kind yeah, of, you know, gods. the gods. They started it all. They they basically started rock <laughs> music. You know, like what? That's insane. That's also, that's why I wanted to spell. I wanted to spell for myself. That was a bit of a mission. Um, but I didn't know what I was going to ex- expect. I thought maybe, maybe it's true. Maybe it's partially true. And so it's fascinating to me that after listening to the, all their music in sort of chronological order, I could really tell through their music that was 100% not the case. Mm-hmm. You can tell through their music that they are not really serious people. Like, I mean, you know, when it comes down to it, they are four friends who are making music. And you can just tell through the music and through the the sounds and even the genres they're exploring through their songs. Like, I was watching a Paul McCartney interview and he said that interesting about the Beatles is like no song sounds alike which is yeah. very true for their entire catalog <laughs> there's a expect. there's a moment in the in the documentary when George Harrison is playing his chord and Paul's like no we done that <laughs> can't play that chord oh, really? yeah yeah they're playing that. they're playing uh, this is the first time they're trying out um uh, get back uh-huh. and um it goes like you know that pam and he's like no no, no yeah. it's passe and he's like and jules like no it's not passe if you use it cor-. and then you know the, the whole argument actually starts yeah. from that whole thing of, of paul like dismissing his little chord there which is hilarious but oh, i just wanted to bring that up because you were saying like nothing yeah. sounds like it's funny because paul's like no we've done that can't do that anymore but see he was on to something and uh basically i just i just realized that they are um even kind of a kind of um uh sort of I don't think they take themselves seriously. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying oh. to say. And that was to me just through the music. I didn't watch any documentaries. Yeah. I didn't watch any footage. I was just like, this is amazing. Like, this is my opinion. I think it has to be true. And um, so that's a continuation now of watching the, the the documentary or the footage is it's just, I think that it's just 100% accurate, um, you know, to what I thought. Like, they really are just for friends who we're making music and i love to see that because i think it's just it's so great to just dispel all that garbage that you know that becomes part of the meta story of pop culture and no one even knows what they're talking about and it's just like so stupid it's just fluff <laughs> dude it's like it's just fluff that's like that and that's my biggest thing i learned about this that is is, is yeah, this yeah. fact of, of you know like this whole pedestal of these great artists and they created everything and it's just this fluff and it's like you know my musical i guess uh 
philosophy is written in like punk rock and DIY. You know, you, you do it yourself. Mm-hmm. In all the business, it's just on top of that. You know that the, you, you should be doing it, and just kind of realizing that Beatles were just a bunch of kids who were interested mm-hmm. in music, and they were just going through it and seeing this, like how it is in the documentary, and everything else is just the background. You know, it's you know in the first part where all those business that. suits guys come in and watch everything. They're just like the idiots who are like you know the money counters who yeah. it, that the, the fame and the hype. That's all them, you know. These guys are yeah. just, they love music. and like They would be doing that regardless. Yeah. That's the and thing. And they just want to play and make music and have fun and just like, you know, so, goofing around and, and all of that. It's like, they're just a bunch of kids. And they are. Like, George Harrison is 25 in this documentary. That's insane. The, thanks so much for reminding me because I wanted to mention, I have a couple of notes here, a couple of recommendations I wanted to throw out. And I'll, I'll pepper them through okay. the podcast so it's not just a list. Rick Beato, right, the... Uh, guy on YouTube, on the, YouTube. <laughs> the YouTube guy, the, oh, on the YouTube great mu- mu- musical educator, YouTuber. Um, he was talking about that, and I was floored when he was talking about the ages. Yes, that's insane. They were somewhere around between 25 and 28. Yeah, that's astounding. And I this mean, was the end of their Beatles, cat- like, this is the end of the Beatles. Basically, we're watching it, and the and- end of the Beatles is the beginning of their, like, yeah, yeah, uh, late 20s and plus, you know, it's like. I was absolutely floored. Um, like, the, and, and watch the video that Rick Beato he talks about that he says more intelligent things than we can <laughs> we could ever podcast. <laughs> but that's a recommendation. Watch it's called the video is called "Reacting to the Beatles Get Back" documentary mm-hmm. by Rick Beato, and we'll put all these in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll put them in there. And that was yeah, insane to me. The ages were crazy. I wanted to say that you were mentioning that uh, you know how we're talking about they don't take themselves seriously. Perfect. One of my favorite scenes in the entire movie was them reading that shit um newspaper article about yeah, yeah about, about themselves <laughs> but but and, and it's like it's so fun and i loved how they're like going through the song singing in funny voices it's just yeah. it's, it's so humanizing of you know like it's because stuff like we would do and you kind of feel bad because oh, you're not professional and it's like if it's the beatles doing it it's like like the biggest band that ever existed. Like they didn't see themselves like that. I think that that's what's yeah. Humanizing is actually, is actually and the, the thing word. is, I th- I'm not. I never looked at the documentary like any kind of historical document or something. I really felt like I was there in 1969, just hanging out, yeah. you know, with the you know with the with the band and listening what they're doing and understanding sort of what their workflow is and and at the end of the day, all they're doing is you know like they get so bored of playing their <laughs> own song. They're just. <laughs> They're just like going through these covers and over and over yeah. and just playing this catalog. And just like, you know, just start yeah. playing stuff, you know, they, they because they like play together, you know, for like Hamburg and all this stuff, all these covers together. So they're really rehearsed mm-hmm. well together so they can just rip into, a, know about rip into a song, just like, you know, one man starting and then the other guys joining and just have a good time. I mean, I've like, that was like the best part of it. I think that was the hook. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously the drama of like what's happening with the band and where it's going, are they like the whole, are they going to do documentary? Are they not going to do the documentary? Like that's the crazy, like the end, this, like you mentioned at the end, there's this rooftop concert. And I've seen that concert like a hundred times on TV, million times. That's crazy. It's, I've never seen it in my life. Like the, uh, don't let me down song. Never in my life. In, I didn't even know they did that. Like that, that performance. Cause I think it was played as a music video, uh, on TV. So that's ingrained in my brain. Right. Like the Whoa. outfits, like John's Lennon, the 
dude, the the John's the, linen. John's linens. Look out for his linen. He, he's got this. Um, he's got the hair, the sideburns, the glasses. He's got the, this brown the, coat. The, was it? He's ten thousand dead uh, <laughs> raccoons. Exactly. And then he's got those. He's got the pants, black pants, white sneakers. You know. Uh, wow, you know the whole thing, dude. Like I have this image engraved in my head, and you know, and see, this is amazing. And then, and there's also you know, um, uh, mm, Paul McCartney in that suit, and then his Ringo in this red coat in the back, and then, and then you got and you got um, wow. George Harrison with the with the Telecaster that rose with Telecaster. Like all these things were in my head since I was amazing. a child. I had no idea. And in my head was always this, this insane thing that was planned, and it was like this epic moment. And just by looking at the music video, and all these people are there, and this is like grand, blah blah blah. And to learn that it was like this last moment thing they decided to do, and then the cops showed up, and it just goes all to hell. Yeah, they freaking wanted to go to like uh, Egypt or something, and they didn't want to do it. And two, two like minutes before, they didn't want to do it. And they record the songs a couple of times, just like learning how. Basically, they're a bunch of kids who are terrible at making decisions and communicating and deciding on anything because their manager's dead. And they're just going through this thing and just like that, like something that's iconic in your head. And I think throughout Mm -hmm. the whole collective mind of understanding how random and mundane that happened. I love that because, you know, I hate, I hate, like you said, I hate fluffy documentaries where yeah. I hate, and I, the most thing I hate, and this is in movies and everything, the, the movie magic. You know, we won't reveal the tricks because it, it makes everyone seem like yeah. godlike. And it seems like there's this level of pedestal where these artists exist and they function on a level you will never be able to reach because you're not there. You know, you can't do this. But like I said, my punk rock, it's like, there's no way they're people too. They have to go through the normal process no, yeah. as well. I mean, I, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about this, but I really didn't even think about a lot of that stuff. Like while while I was watching it, I was really more interested in just seeing how what their workflow is. Because I'm interested in all the bands I love, what their workflow is, oh. and how they make the music and what they do, and what are the little tricks, you know? And because you learn stuff too, you like watch them, like oh, okay, that's interesting. They did that like riff and oh, so what know, did you learn? Why, why did they hook? Because I like I I, I I was definitely following that. But it feel very felt like very natural. Like I didn't wasn't learning any kind of like skills. It was very like no, no, jammy. No, no, I don't mean that. Like actively learning. I'm just saying like um, learning about the their their vibes, right? Like, as I mean, like with the feeling of it, because that that's for me. That's like I'm addicted to that stuff when I learn about bands and mm-hmm. bands I love and musicians. I always like to understand more about like a, like a, a, their motivations and you know why they like that kind of music and i love to see the different influences everyone has like their personal influences and the k- kinds of people they are and as i mentioned for instance like you look at the beatles and you can see and especially because now they're old, older but that's the end that's the end diverged yeah yeah <laughs> but they diverged personally in their own tastes and stuff you know it was interesting i watched this Another another great uh, <laughs> recommendation. Uh, we should we should put like a sound. Is, ding. Boom, 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 boom. is uh, a video called "How the Beatles Get Back Reshapes History" by a guy called Elliot Roberts. Mm-hmm. He also did he a say? fantastic review about yesterday. How bad it is! <laughs> and, oh God, uh, yeah. He was no, just don't remind me of that. Oh, that's just yeah. makes me. This is the antithesis of yesterday. This is everything. One hundred percent. Let's not mention. <laughs> But you can watch a video where he talks about this fun. But he mentioned his uh, sort of like love letter video about how much he liked this this movie. Um, my goodness. Oh, yeah. He was talking about how basically 
all these uh, individuals are changing as people. Yeah. Like, for instance, John Lennon is going to go become political, right? Uh, Paul, Paul McCartney is becoming a family man, right? Ringo is, I guess, making a movie. That's always his joke. <laughs> yeah, he was a Ringo the celebrity. <laughs> George becomes, you know, uh, I forgot about the whole movie. The, the the whole idea of them I having know that set that. is because Ringo was shooting a movie and they let them. I was so like checked out of that movie thing. I have no idea what that was about. So, do, you, do you remember? But it's hilarious that the reason that yeah, they yeah, had the, the whole. That, that's why they went to the studio. Yeah, the first studio because Ringo was shooting some crazy movie. And it's like, that's insane. But continue. Yeah. And so like, it's just amazing. I love seeing that because you can see all these individuals changing and you can also see. I think something that anybody who's, you know, and it kind of a little bit reminded me of like sort of when we like, you know, yeah. make music or made music before together, um, you really start to realize how personalities and what people gravitate towards really shapes how the dynamic happens between musicians. And it's just so amazing to me to see that. Cause I just love understanding that, you know, John Lennon, for instance, you can tell he's kind of bored with the Beatles, you know, at this point he's like, he's already thinking of other stuff yes. and he probably has, you know, other ideas and he's probably you know, like I said, maybe even going outside of music and, you know, he has Yoko, his new you know, um, uh, wife and stuff like that. He's changing. What's interesting to me was I kind of gravitated towards like Paul and how his sort of like attitude was to like the, the music. Cause I think that he was, and this is also, this is a Beatles history thing that I learned. It's like people thought that Paul was this bossy guy, you know, who was ruining the Beatles. Yeah. But if you watch this, like it's, it's I love this cause he just dispels everything. You can see that Paul, he really is like the guy who keeps wanting to make the music. You know, he wants to keep, he likes this idea of the he's Beatles. He's the biggest Beatles fan dynamic. in that room. Yeah. And he, he just, he just wants to keep doing it. And he knows, I think I read this somewhere. He knows how special the dynamic is between the, the four people. He just wants to keep playing and he wants to keep pushing people. And it's so funny because like, he's a poor guy. He's like trying to like, he's really you know, bad at it. He's like, just, he's just not yeah. a natural, Especially if it's like, like an equal kind of, if, if he's the boss, yeah. then everyone listens to, because that's Paul, and you listen to what Paul says, that's perfect. But it, right, if you, like a solo stuff. Yes, exactly. Later, I imagine. You know, it's like everyone's but this is like, thing. But this is when they're equal. Like it's just, John and Paul are like equals, in my opinion, I think, you know. Yeah. It's just so, so interesting to see. It's like, and he's kind of, I would say he's more of like the, um, kind of the very direct rock and roller guy. Like he's like, he's interested in just like, oh, I, like, I, let's make... Yeah, what do you want to say? I, 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 let's get into this whole thing. I, I'm actually interested yeah, because, yeah. like, so essentially, you have four um, Beatles, right? You have John Lennon, he plays the guitar, yeah. and then you have Paul, he plays the bass. He used to play guitar. Um, crazy yeah, thing I learned different instruments. But yeah, yeah. yeah, a crazy thing I learned about this about the whole crazy John and Paul writing credits thing that I didn't mm -hmm. even know about. So, yeah, so for yeah, listeners, then then so credits. throughout the Beatles, if any song was written either by John or by Paul or together they're always credited to both John and Paul. They had this whole... Like legally. Yeah, like, because they, they started writing songs together. Paul plays left, um, John plays right. So when they started learning to play songs and write, they could look at each other, you know, sitting opposite of each other and kind of look at each other's eyes and look at the guitar. Because like when you're right and right, it's the opposite. And you can't really look at the person's hands and figure out what they're holding. But if they're left, you're basically looking at exact thing. So they just mm -hmm. kind of wrote and, and and made these songs together very instinctively, looking at each other and writing. And they had this like partnership and how to write songs and how to play them. So they were this team. And then you have Ringo, the drummer who came a little bit later, um, who kind of just, he's just there, man. He just plays. By the way, listen to this. I, I have, 
absolute way more respect for Ringo <laughs> after watching this. And I think that he gets a really bad rap. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now looking back at it, I think that people are, it's fun to say like, oh, he's at the right time at the right place. Man, he's a great drummer. Like listen to the tracks. Like the dude doesn't miss a beat when they're playing for real. Like you just, you he just really, sit in there and they'll just start playing do. and just, he starts playing. He never, no one, no one no talked to like Ringo, do this. Yeah, he yeah. just plays it. He's, he's like, a, he's, so he's a drum drummer because like there's drummers who are basically like, I don't know, avant-garde piano players who for some reason are sitting at the drum kit and they'll be like... Have they a can't th- wait to like... And they have like a thousand drums and they're playing melodies. And it's just like, he's just a drummer, you know? He'll just like, he's there and he's like waiting to listen to the song and he'll just get in there. And they have no notes for him and he has notes for the other guys. So just play. I was honestly impressed. I really was impressed by his yeah. playing and timing. Like he has, wow, like... And, internal rhythm the clock wow and then there's george harrison which to me like i know you gravitate towards paul and kind of understanding him but i think for me i don't have like a i, I would say i would be a Lon, lennon kind of guy just because of like his yeah, humor I think you're a lennon guy for sure his humor and his you know kind of ideas and and, and stuff I, I really get right to but to mm-hmm. me kind of like the anti lennon is kind of like a george <laughs> and i was really interested of observing george, I still him can't really pin it was the most interesting thing was observing George of like how, you know, cause he's the youngest one and he's really trying to get his songs to be played by the Beatles and, and Paul and, and, and John are not. By the way, that, that, that to me like never made sense. Like they, they talk about this openly. They're like, uh, even later, I think Paul McCartney mentions this in interviews now, yeah. modern Paul McCartney. He's like, the the two song quota for George yeah. on an album. I'm like, what the fuck is that all? Well, they about? hired like, him sorry, as a, like, as they hired him as the lead guitarist, right? They it's it's between Paul and John. They write the songs. These guys yeah. play it, and he's the lead guitarist. Ah, lead guitarist, right? yeah, I guess makes sense. And yeah. he started, you know, he's a musician. He started getting interested. And he started writing more songs. So they, you know, one's one a song per album. They start letting him, and he started a lot, write a lot of songs. And like the the time when they stopped doing the albums. He was doing songs with Bob Dylan. He was doing stuff with other artists, and he was getting influenced by all this other kind of music, which inspired him. And he he wrote a lot of songs, and he wanted to put them on Beatles. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's like that's again, we goes back to what we're saying. They're a bunch of kids. They have no way to communicating. Plus, there's cameras everywhere, and and they're not used to it. And the whole recording of the audio, it's an interesting like because you know the famous flower pot conversation. So. Uh, yeah. In the second part of this, uh, in the second part of the series, um, when George Harrison leaves the band, um, Paul and John go away from all the recording equipment and the cameras, and they sit in the cafeteria and they talk. What are we going to do about this George thing? Mm-hmm. You know, very, very straight to each other. You know, thinking, what is this about? And then the insane. I gotta say, I gotta give a shout out to the insane director of who recorded all this stuff, the cigar smoking mm-hmm. madman. He's, yeah, Lindsay, he's insane. He wanted, he's the, he kept annoying them about recording in this, in Africa, in this old stadium. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> For he is insane. But thanks to him, we have, uh, by the way, Pink Floyd did that. They recorded in Pompeii like three years afterwards. It's amazing. They should have done it. But anyway, it's not very Beatles. It's very Pink Floyd though. <laughs> Lindsay Hogg. I think it was named. Yeah. Mike, Michael Lindsay Hogg. Something like that. It's, it's, so thanks to him for putting that uh, microphone into the flower pot. I watched a video and they were talking about how basically he was very, he was like a bit of a trickster, like in a, yeah. in a positive sense, like to kind of 
fool them a bit yes. like where he would say like oh turn off the cameras you know like let's go, let's go talk in this circle. <laughs> and, and just, the cameras uh, are still rolling he's a madman what I can agree. i say like, props to that guy like wow. i mean ethics aside of that whole flower pod conversation but it's the the most genuine conversation that they're talking about it you know like okay you know who's the boss what are we going to do with george like we're writing and I, and I could totally see it you know like it's this dynamic of they're the ones who wrote the hits. So I, they, they have egos, but they also have of course, yeah. feeling this, like, this is our thing that we used to do. And George is very inspired by, diff, like you said, different kinds of music at this time. And they, maybe they don't like it, you know. Maybe they're not into that kind of stuff. And so it's really hard, you know, when somebody who's not the main writer brings up yeah, and, these and new plus, songs. I think it's also interesting, um, if anyone's ever been in a situation where it's like, when you are not like a core songwriter yeah. of the band. I mean, I think it's just the fact that everyone should know that it's like, you're really going to be playing the little fiddly parts, you know, over the, over the main riffs, you know, maybe, maybe you'll be playing some, some riffs and stuff like that. But I think that that's the position he was sort of delegated to, especially during the beginning of those sessions. Yeah. And you can just see him in the corner. He's just like fiddly bits, you know, and they're like, <laughs> it's much more interested. In I, I think the main, w- when he left the main argument, this is going to get really deep into like music making and stuff like, so I think everyone turned yeah. off their recording. So I apologize, but you know, this is, this is interesting to us, but he's basically, they're working. I don't know which song they're working on. It's, it's a Paul McCartney song. And essentially um, George Harrison is trying to figure out some like over the top kind of stuff. And he's doing some lead things and he's messing around with the wah-wah and everything. And I think Paul and John are trying to work out the song, like the singing harmonies. And like I said, these are, they're kids. They're, they have like trouble communicating to each other because you can clearly see what's happening. It's the fiddly bits. Cause they're he's like looking into his eyes. Basically. Yeah. And, and he's, and Paul George and Harrison's fiddling in his corner. He's trying to find interesting kind of, you know, melodic things in there, but they're messing with their, what their harmonies is trying to write. So, you know, all they could Mm -hmm. say is like, let us figure out, go take a break. Let us figure out the harmonies, come back and we'll do, we'll, and you figure out on top, you know, what to write. But like, and Paul is like, I'm not trying to be your boss. And he's like, I'll do what you play. You know what I miss, Phil? I wish, I wish we could all do our um, Beatles impressions. Just call me Phil. No, I said, I, 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 the one thing I miss about Phil not being here is oh, that uh, oh, the we, 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 I wanted all of us to do our best Beatles impressions. Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all like, Man. but they're all arguing. And it's just like, it's just classic, you know, it's like the miscommunication and, you know, and he's like bored and he, he wants to put more flavor into the song. But Paul is like, this is how I want it. He has it exactly how he wants it in his head. And he's, you know, the whole writing with John, it's like, it's, it's so interesting to, yeah, to it's observe. It's so true. The dynamic is just nuts. And it's, um, uh, and then the famous, I didn't know about this, by the way. Apparently a lot of these things like moments in Beatles history, which are like famous, I had no clue, where um, George quits and he just like, I think I'm going to quit the band now. <laughs> and then they're like, when? They're like, when? Now. Now, yeah. I'll see you in the clubs. <laughs> Probably find leaves. a replacement. But that's, that's I, I, there is, like, that's the archetype of a person. I know that kind of person. I love it. They're very quiet. Yeah. They're very opinionated. They're very stubborn. And it's just the way they approach things. I, I just love it. And, it. and it completely matches his whole, like, you know, spiritualism of the two dudes. Yeah. He had the, the hey, Karish, Karishna guys. Yeah, I forgot about those guys. Sitting there. It's like very, like, you guys, you know, I'm, you know, he's like thinking of things deep. He's very deep about things and he's very grounded while, 
you know, John is probably off his head on some drugs trying to figure out his life. I think he was, yeah, apparently. He was <laughs> what to do and, on some and, drugs. and Paul is in his suits and he's like, he's, like, he's becoming a family man and he's like, Beatles, it's great, guys. Let's do this. Let's make another album. It's so funny, the dynamic of the whole thing. It's just like, they're so... Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I wanted to say that, um, yeah, I, I felt like... It was interesting seeing the dynamic because I think like, for instance, like I gravitated towards Paul because I think that he was basically just like of all of them, he was, he was really just trying to write, you know, songs. I think he was really trying to like write um, songs that especially like, he liked, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I think that was evident, like, off, you know, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos and stuff and people are talking about like that famous um, moment where he cre- writes Get Back, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting because pe- people like, I think people are like, losing their shit about this scene. And it's funny to me because, like, I don't really find that necessary. I find that fascinating to see Paul, like, you know, like someone you, you uh, know about yeah. who's so well-known as a musician, to see him getting into that flow. But I think that any musician would understand that that's like, you're just getting in the flow, you know, you're getting in the flow and that's how you write music. I mean, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, like way. how... Like sometimes it's in your brain, like you, you hear yeah. it in the shower, like it's in your brain. But most of the time it's just sitting and noodling and you're playing. It can take three hours, you know, you could make three crappy things and then oh the fourth thing that's the good one but this happened to be an instance where he was just really like frustrated he was you know writing this riff and it's like you know out of the necessity just oh there comes the riff and again it also breaks those weird you know myths of like the genius it's like yeah yeah, the genius prolific he's he's writing millions of songs all the time yeah it just gets better at it just practice and it's like get back it's just like it's it's just like a blues you know progression you know it's 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 one four five anyway it's not something insane but like i I understand why people were losing their mind because they get you know it was exactly what i was talking about at at the beginning you know my friend saying like how do they write these songs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like like what happened what was the wouldn't you agree though like as a as a musician i think any musician would understand like being your song famous and successful or being a song that your mom heard or yourself yeah. it doesn't matter it's still the same process it's it's you still have to work reading through an article it. years ago which i wish i could find it was a really good article it was actually even a short article mm-hmm. that was really talking about the scientific kind of um mm-hmm. explanation of how how we how we create stuff especially like art and, yeah. and music and essentially it's and this can be any any kind of work yeah, really, any kind creative of creative work. Um, endeavor yeah it's basically that your brain uh, needs to go needs to achieve the state of flow and that's kind of the, the term that's used mm-hmm. um to, to describe how your brain waves kind of look like and you know those synapses and how those things connect and stuff like that it activates a different mode yeah in your in your brain and that flow is really where you achieve um you know sort of your best work or whatever the the, the things that you're most happy about because but you need to get into that flow so that means that a flow you can't Typically, you can't just sit at the piano and be like, the first chords, you know, are yeah, the yeah. song. You have to get into, you know, the, the mood. You have to start writing. You have to be really inspired. Like, like, you know, you, you meet the love of your life kind of moment and then no, sit down. No, that's the thing. You don't have to. Be. That, that, that's exactly what the article is saying, that you don't have to do. No, no, I'm not saying you don't have to be. But if you, if you sit down and something poops out of you, like, that, you mm-hmm. have to be in a really big inspired mood to happen to that. Otherwise, you got to get into that flow. Oh, 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 you mean like immediately? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Like, it does happen but sometimes, but you have to, yes, something yes. something special has to happen. And that's why I wanted to say the things from like the shower thing, where like you hear the song in your head, yeah. that happens for sure. But most of the time, it's just you, you know, cranking out stuff. And most of the time, it's horrible. It sounds awful. But then, <laughs> but then after two hours, you're like, oh, that's the one. So I think that's really interesting. I, I love when I learned about that sort of scientific explanation. I think that that explained a lot of things to me about 
how music is written. Yeah. And I think that this was a really good example of that. And I think it's weird people like losing their mind about that. But that's like, good. It's pretty normal. Unless, 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 you know, they're just people who play music. Like there's I, a I lot of people. bad. I'm just saying yeah, it was yeah. just kind of weirded out. Like I didn't. I mean, there's two, you know, there's musicians who will know how to play, you know, a catalog of thousands of songs and play them really well. And they wouldn't, they would have never written a single thing, you know, and there's like people like me who write every day, but I can't play a single song from start to finish. It's just the yeah. way, the way I like about, about music. So I think that those but, are the other people who are like, how do you write music and just seeing it, how mundane and stupid it is, because it's basically, you yeah. just write a song. That's it. There's nothing else to it so. but wouldn't you wouldn't you agree that that's kind of cool for instance that um that it's like kind of like a, it showed the main yes show like a mainstream audience what it looks like to actually be a and it is the beatles the, the, the biggest thing that people were you know glorifying and, and deifying it, it's them showing you how mundane it is that's the best part i mean yes 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 i, I took completely agree with you that that was the best part of it. and i think that's why people were losing their minds because that was a real revelation to them which is like because they probably thought that they sat in a room and like hum. oh yeah hum. and they, and they, 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 <laughs> they smoked this this big smoke of and they sat down and they played yeah. the song and that you know, because you know like we talked about in those terrible biopic movies that's how it's portrayed in movies you know it's they sit down and and the magic happens and they have the whole song written there yeah yeah yeah, yeah and, it's, and it's exactly like, and, and and this myth is perpetuated by by so many musicians like I was listening to this Howard Stern. Um, interview. I don't know which music it was, and he was talking about. Okay, how did you write that song? Just like we just sat down and played it. And he's like, and he's like, yeah, that's right. How come I? You know, I always talk to musicians. The best songs. <laughs> yeah, hours, hours during his life. And, and, yeah, yeah. And he's like, the most famous yeah. and successful songs are written in one take because you know there's something. It's like no, it's all bullshit. Uh-huh, it's all sure. just like. By the way, oh, I love this too. This, I love the fact that um, I was actually curious about this when I was starting to watch the movie. Yeah. I was like, I wonder how many takes they took of this. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I love that you learned twenty-seven takes. Yeah. You know, the like twenty-seventh take is the is the one they liked. Um, and it just goes to show that basically, um, or it's the first you know, take. Doesn't matter. It's random. Oh yeah, yeah. Or the first take. Yeah. I'm just saying, it goes to show that like there's no like cut and dry rule for this stuff. Another thing I wanted to mention that, uh, for instance, um, this was before watching the movie. This was like years ago when I was right. listening to their music catalog. Uh, Help the song Help. Yeah, um, there's this part in the song where it goes, "Would you please help me?" And it goes, yeah. There's a guitar that comes in there. Yeah, amazing fact that uh, they basically said that they couldn't play that part. They had that part in their head, mm-hmm. but they physically couldn't play. They weren't skilled enough. <laughs> so they spliced to play. it up, or so they had to overdub each part, like in the tape. And to me, that like exemplifies exactly what I loved about learning about their music is like. This is, it's not about the, the perfectionism. It's not about the skill. It's about them having ideas and they like those ideas and they come together and they play those ideas, they record them. And a lot of this documentary was about that, in my opinion. Yeah. Just, it was really, just loved seeing all that stuff. It was great. And, and um, but I want to say, coming back to like the personalities. So a couple of parallels, which I noticed, which are really fun. This is more biased because I was reading that Dave Grohl book. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Biography. Yeah, yeah. They came out called The Storyteller. Yes. And, um, a big Dave Grohl fan. I think we're both pretty big Dave Grohl fans. And uh, I just love seeing the parallel. That's like Paul, like no wonder Paul's friends with Dave. I mean, like Paul's very Dave, uh, Dave vibes, like in terms of in the context of the band, like for instance, like uh, th- he just seems like a very, like, you know, sort of like high on life kind of guy. Right. Yes. Like you compare him to John Lennon. <laughs> yeah. You know, John Lennon is like, you know, a little bit of the sort of like now known as, um, 
a bit of the stereotypical, you know, like musician, the sad musician. I mean, he's not. Yeah, like, I mean, if you look at the documentary, he's not that kind of person. But in the context of them too, he definitely is more of that, like, you know, he goes into those, like, you know, uh, you know, deep stuff. And then, you know, he has these grand ideas, you know, like the whole peace things and his musics and music uh, that, you know, sort of like explores that and imagine later, right? Yeah. And then you listen to Paul's like like a personal solo catalog. So I've been listening to you more. It's Maxwell's like, Hammer. Dum, dum, yeah. dum. <laughs> you know the history about that one? Did you read about that? No, one? no. I just I just was a funny song. It was just, they hated it. The whole band it's hated. Such a lame that, song. They, apparently, the, the 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 legend says that the, that's one of the reasons why they broke up was like because they Paul was like forcing them to do millions of takes of that song. Oh and they my! Didn't like I could imagine. They felt like there was a, it's like the cheesiest like song in the world. Like, um, <laughs> Like he was like holding on to some like bit of glory uh-huh. days from like, you know, how they used to write. Oh, before, it's like, this, like, is, well, this is like that. old, old Beatles. It's going to be great. It's called Beatles. Like, like you know. funny Beatles, you know. Yeah. Like, and they're like, we're done with this. Cheek, I can imagine like, George yeah. Harrison with his beard thinking about, you know, the meaning of life, having to play. <laughs> the universe within the universe. <laughs> having to play Maxwell's Hammer. He's probably hating it. But I, but I, li- I like to see that parallel because it's very interesting because I think that like, you know. I think if you watch the movie, you can see that Paul is he's very much like a very driven guy, mm-hmm. but I think that he's very um, like down to earth. Like from the, all of them, he's very down to earth. Like, you know, he's, he's the guy who's like, let's write some music and like, you know, let's, you know, let's make it the best we can make it. You know, um, And everyone else is sort of like, you know, waffly, you know, okay, well, Ringo plays everything, but you know, John is like bored with the man and he's like, okay. And then one day he's great. One day he's yeah. like, eh, it's probably like he, if he's interested, he's like great. And if it's not, he's just like, yep, I'm, exactly. I'm thinking about other things. Like, remember when they were recording Let It Be like for the millionth time. Yeah. And then, uh, and then John's just like down there. He's like, <laughs> the last the sessions. He's just like, <gasps> that sounds good. Let's keep that one. But it, it's, and I don't know. It's a funny it's thing fun. you bring this up because you bring this, brought this up over text and I was thinking about it. And it, it one thought immediately popped to my head. Um, I feel like this is maybe generalizing. I want to get your opinion on, on this, but mm-hmm. if if I look, if you look at the comparison between Dave Grohl and Paul, I remember one of the long, long time ago when I was like uh, discovering Nirvana, and you know, because I was first into Foo Fighters and discovered okay, he was in Nirvana, and then getting into the Nirvana thing, yeah, and kind of listening to what Kurt thought of Dave Grohl, and in one of the interviews he said is like, you know, Dave's great. He's such a well-adjusted kid. And, you know, and he's friendly with everyone and everything. And it just made me think about this parallel of like, you know, Dave Grohl, even he didn't have a dad, you know, but he was kind of well-adjusted. He was, mm-hmm. he had a very uh, kind like of calm, solid, solid, sort of upbringing. solid upbringing. His mom was like a huge exactly. positive influence on him. Well, you know, Kurt's, you know, it's all madness and craziness. All messed up, yeah. And it's very kind of draws peril to, you know, to John and Paul. Paul has a very, mm-hmm. he was a middle class, you know, he had a... He had a very, he, both parents, very established, very kind of calm I think, and though, everything. By the way, I think his, his, one of his parents died. Okay. I think that's what I learned about. But but, but I think you're right, yeah, and, though, and, in general. And like John's the, was like kind of all kinds of crayons. And, you know, these kind of things leave emotional scars on kids, whatever, no matter what kind of the circumstances. But, you know, poverty or, you know, mm-hmm. kind of crisis with the parents, you know, identity crisis. And maybe it's not completely related, but if you're drawing parallels there, yeah, I definitely see it. And that's the kind of music and their kind of ideas are like, you know. But it's even it's even down to like, it's just interesting. I think it's a little bit random, the parallels, because we both read the book and stuff like that. But yeah. it's interesting to see because there are personalities that, they, you know, it changes how you approach even making yeah. music and stuff. I mean, down even down to like the drugs, for instance, uh, John Lennon ended up from, I read, addicted to heroin yes. for a time. Uh, 
Kurt Cobain. I think even heroin. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, <laughs> Dave Grohl, Paul McCartney, pretty like you know, smell as like decent weed, weed. Stuff like that. Yeah, some some, yeah, some chillage. Know, like, have a good time. Yeah. drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, that kind of stuff. And it's interesting. I find that super interesting because you kind of see those parallels. Yeah. And, Types of personalities it's kind of archetypes that, up, you know. that are building mm, archetypes yeah, yeah. in the music. It, it's a very interesting. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a cool. Um, I don't think there's any right and wrong. Like I, I think that's stupid to be like, yeah. oh, Paul's better than John or John's better than Paul. Just different styles. I think everyone has their own approaches to music. It, it, but that was something that was really obvious to me. And it's really cool to to, to see you know how they and then like you know the ideas of w- when you're watching this because you get to see see them right and you're like when the spark you know when it goes to back to kind of sound rock and roll like mm-hmm. what's their meeting point where they're both loving it and when one is completely bored from the other one's kind of style you know it's just yeah like, oh, that was so funny. But it's so but it's realistic so and so normal and so... It's so realistic. I want to say anyone who's who's like done music with anybody else, you realize that like, you know, a song that you both like, you work on, it's going to really be <laughs> yeah, yeah. fun, right? But when you bring in a song, the other person's like, I'm not feeling it. And the other person's like, I'll do it because, <laughs> because we're friends <laughs> and stuff. But. Yeah, it's just going to go... Because it's just, yeah, it's yeah. not going to be, and, and, and you know. And that was Let It Be, for instance, yeah. in, the, in the movie. Like, Let It Be was like Paul, he was loving that, you know? But you could tell John is just like... Yeah. He's like super like out of it but then they play a song they like together you yeah know? and then probably john came in with his own song that paul wasn't super interested in but you know just tell me this I will, oh sorry you know, <laughs> no go, go ahead go no ahead. it's just funny you know like we talked about like you know the writing of them two and then kind of the the, the them as a team and as a duo versus you know george and all this stuff and, you know not having uh him write the songs and and all that stuff it's, it's just funny that you know i was i was after it was done i was kind of like Oh, listen to let me listen to some Beatles, you know, music now with a more new context that I've that I've arrived. And I went to Spotify, and um, the top played song, Beatles song on Spotify, it's a George Harrison song. George Harrison song. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, Rick the irony Vietto talked about that. Yeah, is amazing. I love it. It's just like, yeah, you know, it's, it is what it is. What you, you know, they. Yeah, he talked about that. It was so interesting. I had I knew that one, but I didn't know. Some of the other George you know, Harrison songs. It's all the songs, and it's in the end, it's George going, Here comes the sun, la 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 la. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, it's so cute. That's cool. My, so here's what I want to ask you. Yeah, go you. ahead. Yeah. Well, you seem to have. No, no, no. no that, was, well. that, that was end of that topic. I have another topic, but it's unfair to me bring up another topic, so I'll let you. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Well, let me go into my topic, which is what did you think of the songs they made up at the end? Because I have a pretty um, um, specific opinion. I wondered what you thought. Like, Going through them with this journey, what did you think? Like, just sort of like, not necessarily, you know, I don't think you have to like them, but what did you, what did you, did they, did, did you, yeah, did you enjoy them? Did you, do you think it was, they were good Beatles songs? Do you think they were cool? I mean, here's the thing. So besides Octopus's Garden, which Ringo wrote, which I immediately fell in <laughs> love with. wasn't even on this. So. I wasn't, but dude, I was just like, I was like, what is this? This is pure. I need to hear this. I want to listen to this song. Are you serious? Of all the songs, but Octopus Garden. I just, I just, it was just some purity. But okay, but no, it's okay. as a joke, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, but uh, the, the other song that I really um, was, and, and we talked about like that in this movie, you get to see the process of them writing, figuring out, and then committing to like a, you know the version of the song, which is for a musician, it's amazing to to witness. Um, one song that. Um, is uh, I don't know if it's titled that. Don't let me down. Is that that's what it called? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that song is. You know, people were freaking out of uh, "Get Back," which is a great song, and it's nice to see it develop. But it wasn't really what 
Don't Let Me Down, that's the track. Yeah. That's the Don't Let Me Down was the track that I was drawn to to listen to. I think that's the one I knew the most. You would like it because John Lennon liked it. <laughs> it's, it's the one <laughs> the one I, I, I knew the most sonically. And it, there's a, something really satisfying, and it's also very biased. It gives you it gives you this um, perception of that there is a form of a song that you need to arrive to that is the perfect form because you already know what the song release song is, and then you're hearing it develop. So it gives you this. It, you know, it's like it's like you know me always going about evolution. If people don't understand evolution mm-hmm. because they see human and they think evolution is about going from a fish to a human it's like it's not there's you know it's <laughs> yeah. the hu- evolution there's no end goal we a direct just, line we just the fish we to just the human. there's no end goal human isn't the perfect evolution we just arrive at the human at the moment so it's the same yeah, with yeah. songs the song there is no perfect form of the song the song do know is the song that was released right at one point they said we stop with the song it is good it is so with that bias it's interesting to hear because it gives you that feeling to hear that song develop. And so they have the song and they're playing and, and it, and I'm, I'm like, this is the song, but something feels off. Something is like, there's something sonically is not right there. And then mm-hmm. in the second episode, their friend, Billy, uh, Billy Preston, Preston I think arrives Preston, yeah. and he's a keyboard player and they're like, yeah, let's freshen up, amazing. join us. And he joins in. And in that Chorus, and he goes, and my ears just went, Yes, there it is. That's what was missing. It was just like, That's what I was it's hearing amazing, in though, my right? head the entire time because I know the song, but I didn't know what was missing. And it was just like yeah, hearing da, 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 da. that, just like fill up that space and just make that song complete. It was just like the biggest, like, like satisfaction. satisfaction you could ever have is like there it is that's the song oh, so good that's yeah i took yeah it's so that was my because song i have a what about you very different perception because i in my canonical journey mm-hmm. i got to the end and let it be and it's like i knew a couple of those hits but you know i listened to it but i didn't really you didn't stick in my memory right of, you know i didn't really understand necessarily i was like this is probably the last dramatic album they made and <laughs> kind of dramatic and felt a little bit sappy at, at points yeah so one thing I love about uh, listening to music, and maybe this is different for me from other people. So I think there's everyone has different views on how they uh, how they enjoy music. Yes. Some people, I think, um, I remember talking to Pista Fulcrum. Yes. The artist Fulcrum, um, our friend, and he uh, one time told me many years ago. It's like I was trying to explain to him, like I love learning about you know uh, a person or a band. I want to understand who they are, you know, what their influences are, what their take is, and understand the story and the journey of where they got to making an album or a song or whatever. And he was like, I don't really care about that. He's like, I just care about the song. (laughs) Me too. I think there's, (laughs) there you go. See, I don't say, I think you're in the same camp. Yeah. And I'm just not in that camp. I think that's an absolutely legitimate way to listen to music and millions of people love doing it that that way. Yeah. But this is why I love the Beatles, this documentary, because I, I think that, on, I was on the journey with them and I was understanding where, where this came from and, you know, what the circumstances was and were and what they were going through as a band and just what they're going as people, more importantly, not as a band, but like what they're going as people and where, you know, what was the culmination that brought about these songs, mm-hmm. you know? And it was also like the struggle, you know, to get to that rooftop, uh, whatever, if you want to look at it that way, um, and to get these songs made and finished even if it's an arbitrary deadline and stuff, people wanting to, you know, that's the, I think that's the goal at the end of the day is like being a musician is you want to, you know, finish something, put something out. 
And uh, I honestly love the, the the record at the end, what they made. But more specifically, I liked, um, I don't know if you know about this, Tim. There was a, a, a remix done, not a remix like a techno, but like a re-mix oh. of uh, the Let It Be album. The, the, and, there's like uh, a thousand releases. Like they mixed, some guy mixed it, didn't let the original engineers mix it. Then there, some songs didn't even make it. Like it's complicated. I have no idea what actually yeah, went yeah, down. But, but this is a very specific, this is a specific mix because it was overseen by Paul and Ringo mm-hmm. in 2003. Okay. And uh, uh, I actually just discovered this myself and I was listening uh to it and i was like this sounds like really accurate to sort of the sound mm-hmm. that they had in the documentary and then i watched ricky beato talk about it and he also mentioned it and he said basically this is the what it was supposed to sound like because i don't know if you know the history but what happened was they made these songs uh-huh and then the idea was to have it be like raw yeah sort of back take. to the roots no more studio to shenanigans roots, no as more it's studio. played you can hear it and they did that and and then uh was it gl- Glenn, Glenn yeah, the, the, the engineer. The engineer, he mixed it. They didn't like his mixes. And by the way, interesting enough, you go listen to the mixes. No offense, I don't know anything about Glenn, but they sounded really horrible. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those mixes are really bad. You should listen to that. Okay. Nothing like the sound in the documentary. Nothing like probably what it sounded like in real life. Okay. I could be wrong. Check it out. And then uh, they're like, let's not do that. And then they got this uh, producer called Phil Spector, mm-hmm. or mixer slash producer, and he at the time was known for this quote unquote wall of sound type of mixing, right. which I imagine was probably the equivalent of like a Chris Lord allergy of today. Yes. If anyone knows yeah, yeah. a modern producer who produces rock music and that's, you know, very much the two thousands sort of era. Just a full like sound. Like the, There's no the air form is just like <laughs> your ears no are, mix, there's something like happening super, at every frequency at every, every single time. It's just there. It's like super punchy. Everything is clear. Yeah. Everything is like mid rangey, uh, punchy, you know, everything is just like, Sort of like the the limits of what yeah. rock and roll. If you roll grew up listening sound. to '90s and 2000s like rock, and then you listen to something from the '70s and '60s, and you're like, "What the hell happened? Where's where's the yeah, where's like the, the where's dynamics. the dynamics? Where's the where's the where's the where's the balls of this music?" That, that's how. So it was I'm guessing before. Phil Spector was, was sort of the crystal algae of that time, and I think that he was <laughs> crystal known for algae that bigger sound. <laughs> the crystal algae, <laughs> crystal algae, uh, Indiana Jones and the crystal algae. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so they sent it to him, and then he made the final Let It Be mixes. And, uh, for instance, a famous example is Let It Be, where he added strings, mm-hmm. he added, like, you know, echo, reverb, filled it out, you know, made it more dramatic. And a lot of the songs, he did stuff like that. And I think I read that, like, some of the band members weren't happy with mm-hmm. it. And uh, There's two flashy. I think probably George was, <laughs> was complaining. That it's probably George, but I know Paul didn't like it. <laughs> okay. And... Uh, which is interesting because, again, like this is why I found it very fascinating, which is like I would 100% agree with him. It's like if you're going to do out this to do this project yeah. and you had a very specific sound and vibe in your head, I would be super disappointed if it ends up being just like a polished commercial release. Super lame. And so basically in 2003, from what I read here, um, Paul and Ringo, um, see, the project was initiated by Paul McCartney, who felt the original album's producer, Flesbeck, did not capture the group's stripped-down live-to-tape aesthetic intended for the album. I I'm like was having a blast listening to this album mm-hmm. because it just it sounded like the the stuff you heard in the documentary. Yeah, you know, very just the tape. You hear them play, and I love listening to the whole album. I loved tracks like "Get Back" was a super fun one. Um, "Dig a Pony," "Dig a Pony." I don't remember. I do, do, do. I, dude, I don't. I, 
All I want is you. I remember I Me Mine. The little, the little bolts. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that, uh, George. John Dance. I've too. got a feeling. Remember that one? I've got a feeling. With that little guitar in the, in the beginning. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not grooving to to to. Interesting. To these titles. Down. I like that one as well. That was great. Uh, Across the universe. I also like that one a lot. John Lennon song. It's interesting. You remember that one? You you know you mentioned that um, for you it was like you know was great for you since you are looking for songs and like finding the contest from the artist's mm-hmm. point of view to seeing these two and see how they like how they influence each other. Like it's as you know, like I, I'm on the same page as Pista. I don't care about what the artist is going through or thinking of writing this to me. Like those are complete different things. Like there's the documentary and there's the songs. They don't exist connected like at all. Like I didn't even think about like how, like musically or lyrically just like completely different universe. And and, and I think it's like, it's very interesting because to me personally, the reason why I don't care about, Artist is not like, oh, I'm some kind of asshole. I'm like, I don't care, you know, what you've been through and or whatever. It's just that, yeah, I, I like my art. You know, my favorite art is like, you know, where the art, you know, like David Lynch, who doesn't explain what the motivation or what the inspiration is like that, because it gives you the opportunity well, I, as the listener to then, uh, yeah, make, interpret interpret how, how, how you like it. Because I feel like. To me personally, it's it's more it's stronger that way because it's connected to I'm instead of learning. But see that that's interesting to me. It's the opposite, but it doesn't have to be necessarily the motivation. I don't have to have things like I don't spelled need out. To know right. Okay, meaning. but it, yeah, at least no. context, right? Like what were they context, part of your life? That's what yeah. I like. No, because I think that I think you can't. For me, I just love that because it's like I think that at the end of the day, you can separate it. But I think if you looked at it like causally, it's like here's, you know, the music is there because this person wrote it. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't think this stuff just comes out of thin air and just appears like magic. I think it comes from a person and that person has a billion different things going on in their brain and in their lives and stuff like that. And it's a combination of that, you know, that to me is fascinating. Mm -hmm. I kind of look at it that way. It's like, it's like a, it's like a sum of everything that person is going through in musical form. And then if you look at this, in this context, it's a group now. It's not just one person. Mm -hmm. It's like a group going through this, you know, uh, struggle to like make something and then and it could even be bad it could be like a bad result but that to me like brings a lot more weight to the songs and that's why I like it because then I feel like I'm I learned like sort of a you know there's, there's like a much more uh, like a uh, like deeper sort of like meaning behind the songs they don't have to be like amazing songs like my favorite songs but like when I listen to let's say for instance like Get Back Now mm-hmm. I think about oh cool man that's when like Paul was writing that it did that and then they did like 20 takes, you know, it's like, then they're on the rooftop and you can see how happy he is playing those songs on live. You know, it's like, he's having a blast. And it's like, they have to practice that, you know, it's like, John's there and wow, John's actually having a good time playing that too. That's cool. And then you reminisce like, huh, it's kind of like they're in a, in a, in a way they're like reminiscing of the good old days of the Beatles, you know, all those things tying together to make it for me, a much more interesting um, listening experience. That's very interesting. And so that's why... But it's yeah, basically the opposite. Like, <laughs> it's exactly... Opposite, yeah. Because like... Yeah. That's why I, I get like a little bit angry. It's like... I mean, I'm not super passionate about this specific like uh, let it be versions, but it's just like it kind of makes you upset. Like, oh, well, everyone knows, you know, I don't know, let it be with the sappy strings. And mm-hmm. It's like, but that's not really the song. It's like, that's... Okay, that's a version of it. 
But that's like now changed and augmented, you know, by Phil Spector who did this because of that context of them having to push it out and finish it. Like this is the this is the more the real thing that they were trying to do, you know. How do you feel about like covered? Like let's say covered. Like you know, many songs throughout the history, the original song written by the original person isn't the famous one. You know, maybe it's like third version down is like the most famous one. That's okay. Is that like also like upsetting that like, that you know like the no. disco poppy version of some someone's you know song is, is no now. i don't i don't think so because again i look at i look at it sort of like in a sense like well um it just happened to be like that and that's interesting to me it's like okay well, the, the first first person just didn't people didn't connect with it okay but it turns out the cover you know or like you know um uh maybe like a loop or something that happened to or like the sample right yeah, culture yeah, yeah. yeah like a sample that's a fascinating story like let's learn about that and let's see how that got gotcha. there okay it was just people cool. resonate with that yeah, yeah. it's curious so that's why to me, like I, I, um, it, it's more fun to like understand the context and the, you know, um, of the songs and then you kind of have fun. It's a bit of a journey than listening to the songs. And that's why I think this, um, let it be, it's called let it be naked, mm-hmm. um, is like, okay, that's the version like the, of those. Yeah. How they're meant to be. Yeah. 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 And for instance, like let it be is very, just like how they played it and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's kind of my take. Yeah. And then the Beatles broke up. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, what's the saddest moment of it? Uh-uh. Um, so I, by the time third, um, was hap- third episode was happening, they're doing the live performance. So I kind of, I'm listening to it. I'm not, I'm not as, as, uh, uh, paying attention as much as I am. I'm kind of reading, <coughs> I'm kind of reading about yeah. Beatles as they're playing on my phone, kind of figuring out the pieces. I'm thinking about, you know, learning all this, you know, all this history and stuff like that. And and I'm reading about the breakup. And obviously, you know, they talked about, it's funny, like, you know, now it's it's such a big thing. And, you know, you can see how realistic it is. But after it happened and the movie came out, anytime it, somebody asked them about the experience, they just said, oh, it was miserable. It's just nothing really happened. They didn't even release the album afterwards. They kind of hated that whole experience of that this was documented. The band? Yeah, the band. Like, they always said, like, oh, it's just a, mm-hmm. just a terrible no, you don't ask me about that period. Like mm-hmm. they hated that period of, 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 you know, because right before the breakup and everything. So they hate about that. But we were talking about like the reasons why they broke up. One of the big ones was after their manager died, they were looking for who's going to manage the band afterwards. That's also a source of strive. You know, John Lennon is not Klein really, story. John Lennon is not really, you know, being the, the, the leader anymore. And Paul's like really trying to work trying to be leader and it's not really working with George and, and, and Ringo's just chilling there. But yeah, and one of the thing is Paul wanted his wife's dad to become the manager. That's right, yeah. Because he knew yeah. him and stuff. <laughs> Getting flashbacks from Sepultura why they broke up. And then <laughs> and then um John John got like seduced by this guy apparently. Th- and this is in the documentary. So there there's this moment and Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Paul is gone, Ringo's somewhere with his just with someone and it's just George and John and then John is like I'm sorry. I you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about this too much, but I just met this guy and he's like the best. And just like hearing John talk he about understands us. How amazing this producer and finding out like this is the bane of their like breakup and existence yeah, of yeah. this guy. And then even the, the engineer, Glenn Johnson telling him, like, Oh, that's right. He's yeah. like, I don't really like him. Like, you know, like he's one of those guys you, you like, I ask, think he basically warned him like, yes. be careful or something. Like that. He's like, Oh, I, you ask, you ask you a question. If he doesn't like the answer, he, 
he um you know he changes subjects i'm just i don't really like him like you know i i nothing against the guy i just don't like him and john's like oh, i know but it's like he's great it's just like that's so crazy that's so yeah. it's so sad to see you know something before you know also do you know the other little bit of lore which is interesting was i think it was also john and george talking i've been in the same convo where uh george is like i just want to make my solo albums he's like i really want to make yeah yeah, yeah. It's, i got so many songs and it's like such a hard yeah. time to get these songs and to the band like, i want to just make a solo album he's like and we can still do the beatles stuff so i'll come to do the beatles things but we'll all do a sort of solo albums and john's like yeah sounds good it's like you know makes sense make yeah. a solo album we'll do other stuff and then looking back it's like paul wasn't there <laughs> and it's like then they asked paul today they're like he posted like, i wish i was there yep. he's like maybe i would I mean, it's like so like ridiculous it's so <laughs> like funny you know thing. just like the first time i was like just like thinking like their communication and just all of it is yeah, like it's, it's like how did they not tell each other this stuff that was like the big so funny in the end it was like the biggest takeaway just like how humanizing and how real all of it is the situation and them as people and them as you know some guys in their 20s of trying to work things out it doesn't matter if they're beatles or not you know it doesn't matter there's hundred guys in suits and you yeah. know working the millions behind them. it doesn't matter there's a gazillion young girls you know yeah yeah it's spanning like, them it's still just a bunch of guys working out and trying to work as a team and having trouble communicating their feelings so, and their so ideas and their friends and they, they like to goof around and have fun it that was mostly it's mostly it was mostly goofing around if you think about it yeah most of the time i was and eating toast and like, drinking tea the toast was like I get so much toast. They just ate toast. Um, <laughs> That's all they I do. Wanted, I wanted to say that uh, to me it was amazing. Is like how like that must have been a pretty big budget for this whole thing if you think about it because like that's a it's lot insanity. of insanity it's well they did 16 millimeters so it wasn't 35 for this and they even say okay. that because it was like a little bit cheaper but they still that's a lot they only still yeah they i think they had two cameras running always at the same time um which is crazy i mean that's not even like, like pretty unprecedented like like you know back then making elves and stuff weren't really but a that's thing. the it's insane like, director i love that guy i wish he got us just like just so much footage it's like that's really cool and then the audio just so much audio yeah oh since we're on the topic this is a bit of a technical thing but i this is a crazy discovery hmm. another plug uh youtube video called peter jackson on the beatles <laughs> get back and technology invented for the docuseries it's okay a channel called collider interviews mm-hmm. so listen to this tim did you know this no that um uh, amazing so the old footage mm-hmm. that they had, the audio was a lot of the times mono, mm-hmm. mono audio. And a lot of times you, you just very unusable audio. Like for instance, you might have a sequence where there's just a lot of noise and yeah. a lot of people talking, chatter. And the mic is trying to pick up George at the end of the, end of the room right. saying something. Can't understand it. Because George said, is speaking to one side. Peter <laughs> <laughs> Jackson said that like they had so much of the stuff and that you really can't use it. Yeah. And so they used uh, machine learning. Right. They made their own algorithm uh, and they, you know, trained it and they tweaked it. And they said, <laughs> the AI had to listen to hours, hours of George Harrison interviews. But isn't this amazing? <laughs> I just love out. the fact that it's like this came out now and they, they figured out how to, you know, do it well enough where you can understand. And and they also said that they um, isolate, they could then train the um, machine learning well enough mm-hmm. that they could isolate instruments, you know, so they could just have drums, just bass and guitar. Um. Very cool. I mean, I watched the movie. I yeah. didn't notice. I thought that was the original audio. So that's very, very, very interesting. And I think Peter Jackson was saying like that's a big part of why yeah. it worked because they they 
remastered and they also you know created the spectrum the sound right so it's like yes a lot of that was mono imagine watching that mono horrible <laughs> just, just yeah the, all the all the sounds if you want to try it yourself there's an app called moises really mm-hmm. and uh, in a fur version you can import any audio it helps if the in the free version you can just separate the um, voice from the music and the paid one you can separate each instrument Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. Oh, so I guess this is pretty like yeah. It, it helps if it's um the there's not a lot of effects on the voice, like too mm-hmm. much reverb and stuff. Like sometimes it gets confused. But I tried it out to grab like some samples from some songs. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, pretty good, man. So if that's pretty good, imagine now what a yes. custom, you know, and then you can you know can do, do do different iterations and, and do some and mixing and some some manual work. So that that was a really cool technical sort of aspect of that. That's I awesome. Think the remastering looked really good. Um, there was like, I think, uh, another, I think, um, the, uh, Elliot Roberts, he did like a little bit of an example or someone else on YouTube did an example of like showing what the original documentary looked like compared to the new one. My goodness. The original is like, just like 16 millimeter is horrible. just like gross. I mean, you know, when you but, start watching it, everyone's like buttery smooth and the audio is all funky, but you get used to it. Bit. Yeah. It's quite waxy and smooth, but it's okay because you feel like the whole point is the impression is like, you feel like you're there. That's, yeah. That's the most important it, part. That, you don't feel it's those visuals. They fade away really quickly and you just kind of get I into it. I thought it was looked good to me. Yeah. They, they get into um, the whole thing. So, so it's cool. Anything else I wanted to mention really quick about this stuff. That's about it. Yeah. In terms of the. The, the the tech and all that stuff. What else is there? Anything else cool? I don't know. I, it's been a while since I've seen it because because yeah, because I, I blast through it. So I think there was a lot of like noise in my head around this that kind of has slowly faded away and just like the most important notes stayed in oh, my head. But, I have a weird note. What? Um, did you notice that the editing was a little bit weird in the first episode? I think that's where they had the least. I don't. I don't know. I know it, they, it threw me off so bad the first episode because it was just like cutting, cutting, cutting. Like someone would say, like I don't know. Let's go over there, Ringo. Let's jump there. Hey, let's go. And I was like, what is this? Yeah, maybe we were just getting used to it. Maybe episode. you just got used to it. <laughs> but maybe, yeah. But it felt much more natural in the second and third. Yeah, because like episodes, we said like they had to like splice a lot of the audio to make like and then splice and then use other takes of video that kind of look the same to to kind of drive mm-hmm. the story. I mean, the, Paul has seen it, and and you know, and Ringo has probably seen it. And I think Peter Jackson said that you know they didn't have any remarks of like it being not real or not being truthful. Yeah. You know. So another story was also like the Peter Jackson was talking to Paul, and he showed him like a clip mm-hmm. about how he helped John write some song like from John's solo albums. Oh yeah. And Paul was like, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> there <laughs> you like, go. I'll show you a video. And he's like, Oh, okay, interesting. So I think that's that's you know also a cool aspect of that because apparently uh, Paul said that he kind of believed in like the whole tabloid stuff where they painted him as a bad guy mm-hmm. and he got roped up in that and he thought like that was he kind of like you know sub subconsciously like believed that and he said that now watching the footage made him realize how you know right. that was all stupidity yeah which is cool. Any any big takeaways for you personally after watching this movie? Have you feel changed? Do you feel like something? Yeah, I think one thing I'm really happy about is like I've not seen something like this in years. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, like super, super refreshing because I think it's not for everyone. I think it's um it's really for people who like to understand, uh, you know, sort of these dynamics and, you know, creating music with other people. And uh, I thought it was really, really 
but just a really it was an, enjoy, an enjoyable watch because it was it was not a it's not a movie it's not a document yeah. it's just a documentation you know of the sessions and i think that's amazing so my takeaway was just that um i thought it was a really nice you know testament to uh what it's like to to create stuff you know with other people and um to find your sort of voice and you know i think that a lot of people have the wrong impression that making stuff is easy um uh, making stuff is very hard <laughs> and uh but this is very re- rewarding too because at the end of the day you know you um you make something that you're um happy about and you continue learning and trying to you know find what you like to make so i thought that was pretty cool what about you I, th- I think it's very similar, and I think as far as my creative endeavors, mainly in music, this has washed away a lot of anxiety of things, of how things should be and how should you approach this and what you should think about just, you know, what we talked about, everything we talked about, just going through the experience. I feel like after watching that movie, I'm very uh, clean from from all this kind of built up yeah. presumptions of, f- and, and things and, and everything. I think it's very... For a musician or or anyone creative, I think it's very clearing, I I would say. And that's how I feel. No, for sure. I agree. I think one thing I'm definitely envious about is like, I just, I don't know, like also like as a musician and stuff, I've never really been good at like memorizing stuff Mm -hmm. and like sort of memorizing. Because like these guys, they just know all these songs by heart. You know what I mean? I think it's pretty big respect, you know, for any band. But let's say for in particular, like when you make a new song or whatever, I mean... You know, they they could play that you know very well, and with you know the feel they were going for and the the vibe and stuff like that. That's something I'm definitely envious about because like I'm you know I pretty much like when I write music and stuff, I do it in pieces and stuff like that. And you know, it's like more of like a bedroom mm-hmm. musician type thing. Um, and I, I still have no answer to that. I guess maybe it's just like experience, or I, I have no idea. Maybe just like people are better at memor- memorizing stuff. I'm I'm horrible at. I mean, it, so. you know, but the Beatles <laughs> did both the things. They did, you know, write the songs like that and That's memorize true, them, and true, then they true. kind of were free from that and just put whatever the hell they wanted on the record, one piece at yeah, a time, and, true on and tape. you know, and created. You would maybe consider them like looking the process. A Frankenstein mm-hmm. monster, but not knowing about the process, you just hear the end of the song, yeah, and it's true, it's true, a, true. It's a flow and beautiful song for you. So, but I did so interesting for you. Yeah. Definitely, I think there's a there's definitely you know we talked about at the beginning their history, you know, of them being in Hamburg and playing eight hours a night, and I feel like there's definitely that's a that's true. a repeating uh, thing I see with a lot of bands, you know, who are who are really good from the first album. And essentially, it's just that they usually had some club gig where they just play together, just constantly, constantly, constantly. You know, it it does create that kind of tightness and that kind of, you know, what you're talking about of them remembering the songs. They played them a thousand times. It's very tight. They know it. It also has its kind of, you know, uh, side effects afterwards. After five Mm -hmm. or six years, they basically hate each other because they done everything together yeah. and then just you know kind of like with the song with, with the beatles but I, i've definitely seen that like even you know you mentioned rick beato and he said you know when when like when he basically learned how to play guitars they had this gig i don't know where it was like some club in vegas or something like that and basically they played 
um, six or seven hours of, of, of music that night. And then they went to the afternight clubs and where they played jazz true, improvisation true. for another six hours. And they did this for a month every single day. If you play... Eric Piano. Yeah, Rick Piano. If you play yeah, 12 yeah. hours of, of guitar... Um, yeah, all day. <laughs> all day. It's like, even if you're you know, have no arms, you're going to, you're going to yeah. get better. So that's just, so in general, yeah, I agree. In general, I think it was a really inspiring, um, uh, documentary. I didn't expect it to be this good. Um, it's not even, I'm not talking about like a movie. I'm just talking about just really cool insight to see yeah. these people do all this stuff. So it was very inspiring for me. Um, I just, I guess just kind of a reminder just to keep, keep, uh, you know, working at whatever, your craft is, I think that's, um, it's easy to sort of give up. And I think it's, it's pretty, you know, it always boils down to, which is also a difficult thing to sort of come to terms with, but it always boils down to the factor of in order to, uh, make something good, you keep have to, you keep have to, you keep having to make, um, more of it, right? Mm, like yeah. just, it's, it's just a simple rule. It's like the more you make, the more chance that you'll be happy with something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think that's a pretty good testament to what you can see what they're doing. I mean, just, you know, so it's cool. I think it's cool. That's pretty cool. So thanks to the insane, crazy director who recorded all this footage. Thanks for the Beatles of participating in that recording. Thank you, Peter Jackson, for going through all this footage, remastering it and making this awesome documentary. Um, Thank you, Jake, for joining us on this conversation. And thank you, listeners, who are still here for listening to us nerd out about this um, musical stuff. I have a final plug, which is that there's a (laughs) video of Peter Jackson talking to these Beatle fans about this mystery recording session after the uh, Apple I haven't seen this sessions. You need to send this I to will me. link it to you. It's by Robert Rodriguez, the channel. And the um, director? It's very I don't know. <laughs> okay. Maybe it is. Look it up. And they're, they're talking and I love to see this because Peter Jackson is uh it looks like he's a Beatles nerd. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to them and it's a very fascinating conversation about how there's very little record of them, but there is proof, like photographic mm-hmm. proof and you know little you know, Glenn John, uh, Glenn, what was his name? I can't remember. Some Glenn Glenn. Glenn's, uh, his like itinerary yes. shows him going to Apple Studios afterwards. And they're like, there's some theories that maybe like they did some little overdubbing, right. polishing okay. up uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh, stuff like that. So okay. if you're a Beatles fan, uh, watch that video. I thought it was really cool. I'll, I'll check that out. Well, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, well, thanks guys. Uh, how you been, guys. Jake, by the way? I don't know if, <laughs> if, if people are interested. How, how you been? Yeah, I don't know when was the last time you were on this. What, what you last up time to? Was, um, how was your holidays? Uh, wow. So many questions. So I was in James Bond. Yes. I don't know when that was. Was that it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. There, uh, yeah, there was supposed to be like Spider-Man, but then I couldn't do that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's James Bond. I, I've been good, I think. I mean, you know. Um, learning what it's like to uh, live a parent life, I guess. <laughs> do you miss the podcast? A, do I miss the podcast? Um, be honest with you, I um, I think that I probably would feel pretty like um, I would feel like a, a little bit of an obligation, mm-hmm. you know, like that's kind of why I didn't feel like doing it anymore. And I think that uh, it would be a little bit too much for me, like sort of like watching. The reality is I don't even watch that many movies anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I just don't have any time. It'll be just and, a chore you know, to like, watch those movies. 
Nah, well, I'll tell you, if it's, a good, if it's a good movie, I'm interested. Yeah. Case in point. Um, but in general, it's like, I don't know. When do you have the time? That's my question. When do you have time to watch movies? I mean, you have two um, kids. Dude, like, honestly. Like at three in the morning? <laughs> yeah. Like, my cinema's going was, you know, the 10 p.m. But to be honest, like, for the last two weeks, so our daughter, she goes to bed at 7. By 7.30, she's done. She's sleeping. So we're good That's there. That's great. And this use, and, uh, you know, we got what our son was born in, in October. And mm-hmm. until Christmas, he would go to bed around 8 ish and fall asleep so basically mm. from eight this was our time i could either work on some stuff as, as you know by myself and my wife or we could watch mm. movies or a tv show and that was amazing because after you know crazy day of two kids uh, the evening we you know we get mm-hmm. sometimes to ourselves or for ourselves and then uh, that all stopped for some reason our little three-month-old mm-hmm. kid decided that um after our daughter falls asleep at uh, 8 p.m., he's up and he'll be up until 12. And he, and we'll have to carry him because otherwise he'll scream because he just you wants mean, to hang uh, out. Ro- rock him? Like rock him? Or just hold him? him. Just, just carry him. Just carry him because he doesn't want to sleep. There's nothing we can do. to You can you can give him food. You can that's carry him. And that's the current status right now? That's the current status. See, that we that's... have no evening. So I have no idea I'm going to watch any of these movies because... <laughs> that's what I was wondering because, for instance, for us, um, Ruben, our son... Mm-hmm. He's now going to be seven months tomorrow. Actually, maybe when the podcast comes out, uh-huh. it'll be seven months. And uh, historically, he's been great. Like, you know, it'd be similar to your story. It's like 8 p.m., 8.30, sleeping all the way till the morning. Yeah. But here's the question, though. Like, I I mean, you have to also have experience with, like, you know, uh, listening in and seeing, you know, sometimes they, they, I mean, Ruben stirs and you have to go in and soothe him and come oh, out. Oh, like, and, you know, the kid... The, the the small one he feeds every three hours so that's that's different yeah but um Agatha yeah she'll like that's my duty usually she'll wake up in the yep. middle of the night gotta go there calm her down sit next to the bed wait yesterday she woke up at three and she couldn't fall asleep yesterday. until five I was okay, there so yeah so yes. I, I think it's just good good and bad days yeah. and of course for anyone who's a parent you also know that um, babies go through all kinds of developments oh, yes. changes and so for instance you might have a good week. Great week, and then you might have a horrible. Yeah, a baby <laughs> week, might learn like, that they can see now faces, and then for two days they won't sleep because it's too overwhelming. Because it's like oh, that's interesting. I just I learned, yeah, yeah, dude. Like, you, like we read about this with Agatha, and we can just see it with Finn. Like, anytime they have a new experience or there's a new like leap of development, like they yes. they find their hands, they're literally too excited to sleep because I have yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. must touch my great. hands for hours now. So it's you looking know, it's at the hands for, <laughs> for one hour before sleeping. Exactly. And you examine the hands. You can't sleep. Yeah. I got hands, man. Who's going to sleep when you have hands? Also, we were recently in the phase, I think like about a month or so ago, where Ruben uh, learned how to uh, flip on his belly. Oh, so excited. Like he can't sleep because he's like waiting to flip. To and do the flip he again. He still does this, which is yeah. super annoying. <laughs> He'll wake up first thing in the morning, flip. And it's like, dude. Wait, no flipping. Imagine if he now does it also in the night. Imagine if you had one thing you could do. That's the first thing you learn. Like you'd be excited too to wake up in the morning and to do. I know, I know. It's super exciting for him, but it's like you know, it's a bit annoying because now it's like you know, um, I don't know. It could be like early in the morning or whatever, one one a.m. If you if you don't come soothe him, he if he's too long, you know, up and just flip, and it's like I'm now flipped. So I think everyone understands these kinds of things. I think the bottom line is that. Good days and bad days. Um, I think a lot of people have it worse. I think mm-hmm. Ruben's a really good kid. I, I think you're 
I think Finn's. I mean, he's going through a phase now. They're going through a phase, but he's he's a delightful little boy. Yeah, he's a great boy. He's a nice little he's, smiler. He's, he's he's a big boy and <laughs> he smiles. He's, he's, he's amazing. He's, <laughs> he's the Stay Puft Marshmallow happy man. Dude, I wonder. I'm, I'm really curious what's gonna happen with his weight. I mean, I think maybe it should have stabilized. Hopefully, <laughs> it would. It, it basically, he. Uh, we're talking to the doctor. He uh, he's breastfed, so it's like he's not. He can't like go over some crazy limit. He can only at somewhat. So, and also now he's reached the point where he's going to start really growing. So that's going to kind of like mm-hmm. utilize. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Unless he's yeah, just going to be I, a giant at the age of one. He's going to be like two be, meters he be like a huge boy. <laughs> so we'll see. Where are we at now in the phase? I am pretty excited to hear Ruben say stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like officially like words because that's like later. Yeah. But he's now like doing the whole, you know, like. I just love seeing how he just gets into it. He's just like, you know, evening, like for instance, he might be like, from seven to eight is like time to practice my <laughs> time to practice my, my vocals. <laughs> and he's just like, ma, 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 ma. Perfect. But he's going through the tea thing thing. Yeah. Well, oof. I think. We think. That's about time. It's about the right time. You, we could. Maybe this could be off the podcast, but I was wondering, did, when did Agatha's teeth come out? I have no idea. Probably around down half a year. Yeah, it's usually the hmm. usually usually the time. Was it was it lots of screaming and stuff? No, I just restless nights. Yeah, it's like at, after. Sorry, this is turned to kid podcast at the moment. Yeah, this is kid. Um, it it really like like it becomes a thing. You're like anytime like it's like it's been a weird couple of days. Like she's not sleeping. She's not eating. She's so angry. Oh. oh, it must be teeth. And then you're going checking for the teeth. I was like, nothing. I'm something else. You might be sick. But if you like, you find the teeth. It's like, oh, there it is. We know what it is. It's the teeth. They're coming okay. out. So that's, that's, they'll be part of your like next year and a half. You're going to be doing that. It's like, what is it? Oh, it's the teeth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I figured that's it. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Other than that, I'm doing pretty okay. You know, lovely um, new year. Um, I have, I finally have first time in my life. I have a list of goals for the year. Isn't that good? Improvement. <laughs> Improvement. There you go. Before it would be like wifty wafty, but now I have a concrete list. I think I have 13 goals. I'd like to do. Fucking hell. This 13, year. man. You're going so But no, it's <laughs> starting the world. Starting, starting, starting. How, well, we're we're going to invite you at the beginning of next oh, year no, podcast. Don't. And we're going to ask you which ones I did. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And we're going to check upon Jake's 13 goals and see how he did. Fine. Uh, it's going to be best. Well, because I heard someone tell me that like uh, something they learned was like, you don't, you don't, you have like 15 goals, but you do like a goal or two every month. Okay. You know? So it's like, you just go tune, 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 like in blocks. There you go. There's your motivation. Embarrassment. So I don't know. If do you have any goals? Do I have any goals? Um, no, I usually have like Survive. a theme, like a theme. I'll go like, okay, like this year, theme? like I'm going to concentrate on this. This is like, this is the focus. Aha. Uh-huh, like overarching. Yeah. Overarching, overarching focus. Like thing. whatever is happening, because life is crazy and uh, I'm not the most oh, yeah. organized person. So it's like if if I can concentrate on this, this is going to be a good positive outcome in the end. Hmm, so that's a good one. So, so that's that's uh, and I can reveal yeah. this year I'm gonna I'm gonna um, concentrate on physical health because that has been strong, very Poor. very strongly uh, forgotten and basically yeah, diminished too. over over last year. So I'm gonna. I'm very yeah. frightened of what I'll become if I don't. If it, also, I will have a heart attack at the age of forty if I don't do something. So that's what I'm going to work on. True. Good. That's a good theme, actually. All nice. right. 
Well, all right. Well, that's about it. Thanks, thanks you for listening. for listening. This is the first podcast, two foot podcast of the year. Sorry, Phil's not here. He, we will return to normal <laughs> episodes soon as possible. We're going to do a, um, a live stream this weekend. Um, huh. We don't know the exact time yet. We used to do these on Instagram, which are great, but Instagram is kind of wonky. It's good that it notifies you guys if you follow us that the live is happening so you can join in. But it's kind of wonky and people have been asking if we can do it on YouTube. So the next live stream is going to be on our YouTube channel. Um, just look up Two Pole Podcast on YouTube and we're going to put it two days beforehand like this reminder so you guys are notified over it. And yeah. What is the what is the live? Uh, do you do just random? Oh, or we usually have a theme. It devolves into randomness. But this time we're going to talk about our top three movies of 2021. So, and we want to hear your top three movies oh, of right, last year. Oh, I the recap, right? Yeah, kind of like a recap. But uh, we want to hear other people's like picks of what, why, why they pick those movies and why they like them. So we're going to be chatting up on YouTube Here's a question. Podcasts. Last question, Tim. Since we're What's reflecting up? on yeah. the years and the years ahead, yes. Do you and connecting it to the Beatles? Um, <laughs> okay. Have you had Good. time to do uh, music? Mm, not necessarily this like seriously. I've always, you know, always, always. That's a it's a very therapeutic to me. I think making music mm-hmm. to me is the most thing it does for me. It's therapeutic. It's kind of like a mm-hmm. kind of like meditation kind of thing. Yeah, letting yourself be. So I've I've done that. It's kind of like playing, like maybe like guitar, playing, or writing, exploring, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Just just this kind of very intuitive feedback thing. But um, uh, but I'm planning. But I'm planning to do nice. I'm planning to do some some music. Um, and I think, funny enough, this 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 documentary. What I said, you know, about washing away anxieties. I think mm-hmm. this documentary has helped me put it, to put in the right mindset. Of, of of doing some more music that's great i think that's great news for me i would say that it's um unfortunately past couple of months have been pretty dry in terms of like mm-hmm. writing stuff mm-hmm. but i think also that therapeutic element has been a little bit replaced because we me and my wife we um sing songs to ruben before his mm-hmm. bedtime and we've been doing it every single night since he was born and we have a you know set list of like six to ten songs um and so that's kind of been my music, you know, and it's fun because it's kind of the Beatles style. Yeah. You know, you play through the, all the songs. Like you, you, there's no like, oh, I screwed up a chord. It's like, no, you got to play through the whole thing. Yeah. You should, you should but record I, I it, like to do you know, some stuff. record it as they, as they yeah. are and put it out. The songs for Ruben that's to fall asleep thinking, to. Yeah, it would be cool. But, you know, I don't know how it is for you, but it's like something that's a bit of a struggle for me is like the hardest part about writing your own stuff is like, um, just like the additional work to like do all the other stuff, you know, like not just like the guitar and this, it's like the other stuff. <laughs> so I don't know how that is for you, but that's the hardest part. Oh, as far as but production, you, but, I love that stuff. It's the rest of the stuff, the promotion and the, the mastering and yeah, all that. that. That's, that's the evil, evil part of it, you know, evil, truly evil. But anyway, here's to 2022. I hope yeah. that you, Oh my goodness! Wait, Ruben. I hope that um, <laughs> sounded like one of those, um, you know, boom. Cause was, yeah, because it's just right as you said. I hope that you, that you make your if you're planning to do a couple of songs or an album or whatever, that you do that. Um, I have a couple of things also in my head that I have to do. Let's go ahead and do those things. Let and, us. Um, 2022. Here we go. Thanks, everybody. I'm gonna go now. Okay. Bye, bye, Jacob. Thank Thanks for, for having by. me.
Bye bye. See you next special, I guess. See you. See you sometime. Sometime. Bye bye, Jacob. And then there was just me. I'll call Philip. I'll call Philip. I think Philip. What are you doing, Philip? Oh, uh, Johnny, can you uh, whip us some new music for this? Because um, it's a special. I don't feel like playing deal. Yeah, yeah, something Beatlesy, right? Okay, okay, good. All right, that's it. Bye.